Welcome to this very post-apocalyptic episode of Safe Station Radio, where I, your host Dustin, and my co-host Connor, hey there, will be guiding you through the depressing war-torn. No, not technically, I guess. Yeah, kind of. Gonna back up that, and yeah, you know, depressing landscape of America as we discuss The Last of Us. And man, I. I've been wanting to do this one for a while, and it's been a struggle to get here. Yep, no kidding. It is a struggle indeed. Well, anyway, this is of course a PS3 game. It was released on June 14th, 2013. And from what I remember, it's kind of the last big, super critically acclaimed game for PS3, uh, with the exception being Grand Theft Auto V later in the year. And to me, it kind of represents the end of that console life cycle. I don't know. I kind of, That's kind of the place I hold it for it in my heart. When I think about the 360 and PS3, I think about The Last of Us in that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, because it was... Uh, it released June 14th, 2013, and then its DLC in February of 2014. But a little over a year after its initial release, it was released again on PS4. So... You know, it was like right at the tail end of the PS3, so much so that they just put it on the next console. Which I wanted to bring up, um, this is really only going to be relevant right now. Do you think that Kate, it's going to be the same case with the second one? No, and this is getting into some of the PS5 uh, prediction stuff. And you, actually, by the time this podcast goes, goes up, we may have a definitive answer. Uh, but I would, I think that they're rolling with the backwards compatibility stuff. Uh, as a recording, like I think a week ago or maybe two, Sony announced that any any third party game going for certification in July has to also run on PS5. And I would assume for their own first party stuff, that's just an initiative that they're already doing. So I would suspect it's just going to be a PS4 version running on PS5. I don't know if they'll do a remaster. I doubt it, honestly. Yeah, that's a good point. But I did mention the Left Behind there for on February 14th of 2014. That was a separate dlc chapter for the game i think there was some weird thing where they wanted to because the base game got pushed till later that if you pre-ordered it you'd just get the deluxe version with the dlc um i didn't look into that too much but left behind is the only real notable dlc there was a ton of other dlc packs for multiplayer don't care didn't play the multiplayer and of course if you don't know this is a naughty dog productions game it's um one of a long line of like critically acclaimed honestly truly amazing games that they've made uh back in the day they made the crash bandicoot series and the jack and dexter games and then recently uh more recently they made the uncharted series and this was coming off the heels of uncharted 3 interestingly it was announced right after uncharted 3 was released which by the way you have that in your notes but i don't think you have that Last of Us 2 was announced right after Uncharted 4 was released, so I wonder if we're going to get an announcement in the next couple weeks. Just a thought. Huh. Interesting. They Um, seem to like to do that. Yeah. They started production in 2009, which was right after Uncharted 2, so they actually split their team between Last of Us and Uncharted 3, which, um, just one of the funniest Last of Us facts I've ever heard, is that when the game was officially announced in December of 2011, that was one month after Uncharted launched, and Uncharted had a Last of Us Easter egg in it, which when the plan the plan was to announce the game in June of 2011, 
which then the game would be public knowledge by the time Uncharted 3 came out, but they actually slipped up, so I don't think anyone really caught it. Like, oh, what is this about? It's just no. like if you look back, it's like, oh, this teased this game that wasn't announced yet. Which makes it cooler, honestly, in my opinion. Um, interestingly about that, I believe, if I remember correctly, that tease comes in the form of like newspapers in the first area, the kind of the bar fire area of Uncharted 3. Which, and it's not like it says Last of Us on them. They're talking about the Cordyceps disease, which is the thing prominently featured in The Last of Us. Uh, so it's basically newspapers. And for a long time, people took that to mean these two games take place in the same universe, which I believe Uncharted 4 and now Last of Us 2 actually, just because of timelines, make that impossible. But it's just interesting. Yeah, I mean, The Last of Us would return the favor, I guess, with... Um, there is a reference to the bar in the last of us as you come out you come out behind the bar and um do a little firefight there before moving on so i don't know if it's exactly the same but it is just a tongue-in-cheek reference between the developers i mean maybe because the bar in uncharted 4 i believe is in london so that would be that can't be right yeah that'd be I wild. Play uncharted 3 again <laughs> maybe i'm wrong about that it's been a minute anyway uh metacritic of 95 Won the Must Play Award and then all sorts of like like too many to list Game of the Year awards and other accolades. Like this game is, it might be at least of a modern video game the most awarded game ever. Like I can't think of another that would come even come close. Yeah, I mean the amount of awards that this game won at the time, you know, in 2013, a lot of awards for Game of the Year, and then. You know, pretty recently, it's been winning a lot of Game of the Decade awards. Um, and, I mean, I can definitely see it. This game left a huge impact on players and was really impressive in what it was doing. So, really proud of the team for what they accomplished here. But we'll get into the actual game later. Yep, and thank you for finding these sales numbers and stuff, by the way. Um, 1.3 million in its first week and 20 million across both versions by October 2019th. And I believe the crazy thing about that is the majority of its sales were on PS4. Like, I think actually like a small portion of them came from PS3 sales overall. Yeah, and I mean, that's massive. 20 million between both versions. I know there's probably fans that bought it twice, and I know some of them that... I know some people that probably did that. It's, you know, 20 million is a huge amount. Yeah, it's that's a... That's a massive seller, and I mean, quite frankly, to get ahead of ourselves, it deserves it. But let's talk about what this game actually is. It's a post-apocalypse story, like we've heard. It's a zombie story, and it's centered around a character named Joel taking another character named Ellie to a group called the Fireflies. And that's basically the setup you need to know. I don't think that there's anything else getting into this game that you need to know. Um, I don't think what makes this game compelling is in its pure plot and narrative i think it's within its characters and its drama yeah for sure this is a game that is fully i mean you described the whole plot basically there is joel has to get ellie to the fireflies and then you do that for the whole game and then the game ends but really it's all of the character moments between joel and ellie on their cross-country road trip 
um, between Joel and Ellie and the other cast that are in the game and all of the performances of the voice actors and the motion captain, captioning actors, all of that, um, that's where the game really shines in terms of plot. And um, not spoiling anything here, you really, if you haven't played it already, you really should um, experience the story for yourself. Totally. Whether that be playing the game or watching the game or um, just experience the story in the way that it is and then come back here for us to spoil it. Yeah, and I know what it sounds like when we describe this game and its plot. It, it sounds like the most generic thing in the world, right? Oh, it's a cross-country, post-apocalyptic road trip, the zombies. You've, you've seen that story before in media. But I think what makes this special is just how well it's executed and how much how amazing these characters are right and how great the writing is it is truly a triumph in that sense and it doesn't the thing i like about it is that it doesn't try to be too smart for its own good right it's never trying to trick you and trying to like like oh look at this crazy plot twist you never saw it coming it doesn't it doesn't care about that it really is focused on these characters and their story and i i think it really works better than you may think it is from that initial premise yeah and it's a game where i think out of almost any video game i've ever played it has the most grounded characters where these people seem real and the situation that they're in is obviously you know not bound in scientific accuracy which is fine it's a video game but the way that the environment shapes the characters and the way the characters shape themselves and the environment around them is just amazing like the way the writing contributes to that and the way the gameplay contributes to that I think it's really impressive and you know this game is driven by its characters and I mean that's the main reason you want to play it is because of the characters and the character moments I would say that's the main reason but I will also make a strong case I think this game plays very well personally uh, and I know not everybody actually agrees with that, which I find I, I just have never agreed with and have always been mystified by the opinion that this game has bad gameplay. I, I think it's phenomenal. It's If you don't know, it's sort of... It's a third-person shooter with light self-elements and light crafting elements. But the thing about it is those elements are light enough so they can be picked up, but they're not so simple and easy that they're not going to stress you out with them, right? Like, this game has a lot of survival horror in it, so everything that you're doing gameplay-wise is feeding into that sense of horror and dread. Um, for example, the crafting. You can't pause the game to craft anything. You have to craft things in real time. So if you need to craft, say, a health bandage to heal up, you're doing that in real time as there's enemies skulking around looking for you. If you need to craft, say, a shiv, Joel has to take off his backpack and rummage around in it while the enemies are walking around in real time, and you could be discovered while it's happening which really raises the tension, and it it's a really smart gameplay mechanic that I'm honestly surprised more people haven't ripped off, because it does a phenomenal job in building tension and just kind of horror in general, honestly. Yeah, and one of the ways that a game can build horror, and this game isn't being sold as a straight-up horror game, but it definitely has a lot of those um, influences, is to have your resources be limited, and then have the enemies drain resources. So something like the Resident Evil series, or even something that is more personal to what I have recently played, the System Shock series, 
is fighting enemies may be difficult and that might be a challenge but the main thing is trying to manage your resources while doing it and you know if something goes wrong or an enemy sneaks up on you then that's going to hurt your resources you're more tense because of it because resources are pretty scarce you know you actually have to scan these environments to find resources that you use to craft items that will help you in combat it's this whole gameplay loop of the enemies and the looting and the crafting and the way it all meshes together builds tension but also keeps you engaged through the whole um, gameplay yeah i i truly love it i think it it works so well and it really gets across the gameplay and i and i really think this is one of those games where the story and the themes shine through through gameplay which is rarer than you'd think right i i always go to the example of when you stealth kill an enemy with joel and you just do it with your hands he goes to choke them out and that animation is so much slower slower than it is in most video games and it's so much more brutal even for a 2013 ps3 game like watching the enemy struggle and watching their eyes roll back and they give a death rattle and then their body goes limp is so fucked up like and i i love that they put all the care and attention into that to make you know killing an average enemy feel gross like there's a lot of grossness in this game it doesn't feel great a lot of the time to be honest the best bit about that animation the great detail of it is when the enemy reaches up and it tries to grab at you while you're choking them out it's like they're trying to you know grab at the thing choking them out and they're trying to pull it away it's just that attention to detail really really shines um and then when you get to other enemies that aren't able to do that he has a different animation and a different mannerism when going about it and then you know the other characters do as well and it's um you know the team when you're building a game that is all about characters and character personalities having that shine through during gameplay animations is crucial and i think they really nail it here yeah, I mean, I would argue they're pioneering in it. I don't think a lot of other video games before then, and even since then, have gotten across that attitude. This is the, I this may this may be the only video game I've ever felt truly bad for killing an enemy, even one who I feel like is gross and repugnant, just because the animations are so gross. They're truly disgusting, and I I think that is commendable. Like, damn. Yeah, one hundred percent agree on that. Um, I don't know if there's that much to discuss in the gameplay. You're, you're obviously, you're having a mix of human enemies and infected enemies. And I guess we could talk about some of the different types of infected. There's really two main ones. There's sort of your standard zombies who will run at you and, like, freak you out and see you. Um, and then there's the clickers, which, by the way, I guess we didn't discuss what the infection is. Um, so it's this disease called cordyceps, which is like a fungus that infects the brain and then eventually infects the host turning them into a zombie and then eventually that fungus will grow out of the host and turn them into a clicker and the thing about that is the clickers are then blind and so they're called clickers because they click they use sonar location so it changes the stealth gameplay up quite a bit because at that point cover doesn't matter it's more about you standing still and using like items throwing items or uh, like shooting an arrow or something at a wall to get them to move and it it really changes up the gameplay just enough to make it exciting and scary all over again. You also can't, if a clicker 
grabs you and you don't have a shiv, which is a craftable resource, you can't defend yourself, so it'll kill you. So they become instantly more terrifying enemies, even though they can't see. Yeah, you also can't choke out a clicker. So if you want to kill a clicker, you either have to use a gun, which is going to alert everything, um, the bow and arrow, which is silent, but it does take two arrows and it's kind of slow, or a shiv, which you have to craft and then sneak up on them and use that item instead of just being able to choke them out without any use of items. Yeah, and it just really... The clickers might be the most horrifying, like, at least common enemy in a video game. They're so unnerving. Like, Oh, yeah. If, if you look I up a picture them. of a clicker or the animation cycles for them... Or just the sound. The way they... Yeah, the, the sound, sound and... so... Ugh. The way they twitch and the design of the fungus growing out of their face and... Ugh, they're the the grossest creepiest zombies ever in a video game and they're such a great enemy design as well yeah um want to hear a fact that will make you not sleep at night cordyceps is a real disease it affects ants actually um and not humans thankfully but you can actually go watch videos of ants who have caught this fungal disease who have mushrooms growing out of their heads and what essentially this disease does is it forces the ants to get up high where then the fungus will grow out of their head completely and release more spores. This game isn't completely inaccurate in terms of what it's depicting, which is horrifying, but also kind of cool. Um, but man, the designs of the actual enemies, like, that's such a great... Because it's not just the regular, grotesque, decaying corpse zombie. It's like this sort of organic, almost new life form type deal where they seem alien but still very grounded on Earth. And, I mean, I just love the design of this game. Um, the way they also use the spores as an uh, environmental hazard, not really for gameplay, but for story purposes. You know, you, Joel puts on a gas mask when there's the spores about because it's in the air. Um, and the way that some corpses are just growing into the wall and there's fungus growing out of the grounds and all that... It is really visually cool and really visually stunning for a PS3 game. Um, for this review, I played the remaster on PS4. Um, but for my first two playthroughs, I played it on the PS3 version. And man, this game is breathtaking. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that extends to the world design as well, right? This is a world that's taking place 20 years after the initial outbreak. So it's a world where nature has reclaimed a lot of the environment. And it just... There's, there are some moments that are truly breathtaking. Again, even for an old video game, you can walk out onto a scene and just be like, oh, wow, like seeing buildings covered in moss and just how nature has taken over everything. It's it's really beautiful. Yeah, this game is seven years old, and it still looks phenomenal to this day. For the most part. And let's transition over to like what we think of the game. It's been a while since I've replayed it. I was thinking about it. I think this might be my fifth or sixth time replaying it, but it's been a couple years since the last time. And I was a little surprised to see how some elements didn't actually hold up visually. There's definitely some like 2D textures for plants and stuff that I was like, oh, I didn't notice that last time. 
And I think that's just a testament to modern video games and how good they look. Uh, and it, but I would say overall, I still think this game is visually pretty stunning. I yeah, know, did for you sure. notice anything like that? Um, for some reason, did you play the PS4 version for this? Yes, I did, and I played on a PS4 Pro with HDR, which is the first time I've done that as well. Um, yeah, because I've played this game twice on PS3, and I actually encountered a lot of just like graphical and sometimes gameplay glitches and errors in the ps4 version that wasn't there in the ps3 version which was super weird but it is weird i still think the ps4 version is better um they actually increase the draw distance for the ps4 version and you know increase the lighting engine and all that so it looks really great um you can kind of tell just in the way of animations and um lighting and some of like the polygonal elements it still feels a little 2013 but definitely i mean it's impressive PS3 for 2013 in it. you know it's yeah definitely, it definitely sure. feels like a game from last generation uh, sometimes and then sometimes it feels like it's ahead of its time right it's an interesting it's interesting um i guess that's what you get though when you make a game that everybody goes oh my god this is amazing how do we do something like this right yeah for sure this is going to be very hyperbolic sounding i think this might be one of my favorite video games of all time if not my favorite just for all the reasons we talked about before right i think the story is incredible i think the gameplay meshes with it super well i i think this is one of my favorite stories period in media not just apocalypse stories i think that the drama and the characters are all so well crafted and so well rounded and it's just it there's very little I can complain about. There's some I, there's some complaints I have, and we'll talk about those. But overall, I think it's just incredible. Oh yeah, for sure. And the I mean, the PS4 version is super accessible. It's probably dirt cheap now. It was on PS Plus not too long ago. Um, PS3 version is also probably super cheap. Definitely give it a try if you haven't. I know the second one is coming out. Give the first one a shot. It's really worth it. Deserves all the accolades it's gotten. Um, not only just the story and the graphics and the gameplay, because all of that is fantastic, but just the overall level design of this game is really brilliant. And this was something that I noticed when I was playing the newest, the 2018 God of War as well. The way that it, um, the level will expand and contract as you play through it, you know, to funnel you into these story sequences, but then open back up all of that is just really natural it kind of flows with the pacing of the game you know you have a big actiony sequence not you know uncharted big it's like a stealth sequence it's high tension the level design is going to be a lot more broad and then when you're exploring it's going to be sort of medium because you have a lot of interaction and then it's going to funnel you into a story sequence where the level design is a lot tighter because you don't have as much control so that flow really works for all the levels. Um, another really great, smart part of this game design is a lot of the levels have a landmark that you're headed towards, and you can see it off in the distance. And I love that because if the level does get really open, like the university level, having that landmark can get you sort of oriented if you are lost, but also gives you a progression marker for the chapter. I think that's really smart the way they did it, the way they integrated it into the world design is really great. There's just a lot of like design elements that are really um really great to appreciate in this game. Yeah, and I th I think this game is truly at its best during combat when it gives you larger arenas with lots of enemies. I think that's where it shines. 
um, because of just all the options it gives you, right? All the options to take out the enemies, but also a lot of those arenas, you can just sneak past everybody. If you're good enough, you can get past through arenas without killing anybody and saving a lot of resources, which is really cool. There's two arenas I want to call out that I don't think are spoilerly um, pretty early on. There's the bookstore, and then later on in that same uh, area, there's the hotel. And both of those areas, I think, exemplify how good this combat system is if it can breathe right if you give it enough room and enough options like it just it just feels so good and it feels so amazing because they give you room to stealth they give you room to shoot if you want they give you room to sneak by if everything goes wrong they give you enough room to maneuver and try to get away it's just it really is impressive to me yeah that bookstore level that's the first level if i'm not mistaken it's one of the first levels where you encounter the clickers and the way no, that it's, it's guys, it's just um, armed dudes. Oh, the that's a little later than the one I'm thinking of is where it's sort of underground and is one of the first areas where you meet the clickers. Um, and there's an exit that's fairly visible and you can stealth over there, you know, kill the clickers that are in the way or just sneak past them. But there's also there's a store to the left of the starting area that has a note with a combination to a safe for a store on the right side of the combat arena so you can explore this area which you are incentivized to do because you can find more resources which is always a good thing and then find this note and find the safe all while sneaking past the enemies and if there's an enemy that's going to be in your way you might want to spend some resources to kill it but you can't kill all of the enemies in the area without alerting them it's just the way that it sort of makes you and I have this in my notes, but it's a really weird comparison. Um, it reminds me, just design-wise, of Doom <laughs> and Doom Eternal, where... Okay. <laughs> I know it's weird, um, but the way that it, in the combat, in the moment, you are not only considering how you're going to take out a foe, but you're considering what resources you have while you're fighting. And I love that in a game because it takes the combat, which may be pretty simple. You aim the gun with left trigger and you shoot with right. It takes that simple mechanic and gives it a lot of depth without making the controls itself too complicated. Okay. I Yeah, I can see that totally. It, it definitely does. Uh, the, re- the arena I'm thinking of is it's, it's the bookstore um, later on with two floors. Um, and it's just got... The thing about it is it has two floors. There's a lot of enemies in there. There's enemies out front. Uh, You can approach it from the front door. There's two doors to the side, both of which go to the second floor. And the the first floor is pretty massive with lots of cover and different back rooms and stuff. And the second floor, it's smaller because it's got like an open viewing area down to the first floor. And it just, that arena gives you so many angles to attack up from, to attack up from and enough room to breathe if you need to get away that I just, I really found it pretty cool. And I don't know, it just stood out to me, this playthrough. It didn't last time, so. Oh, yeah. That one no, in, I know exactly course, the, the room hotel. you're talking about. Yeah. And the hotel, it's even bigger because it takes place across several different hotel floors. And there's lots of rooms to run in, which you can find resources in. But there's also just tons of enemies that you can you know, get in a room by themselves to take them out or just sneak past if you want to. Like, it really just exemplifies how good the system is with the environment. Yeah, I love the way that it that you're thinking about which enemies to take out. If you want to take out all of them, that's an option, but you're going to run out of bullets if you want to use guns. Um, I just, you know, it's a survival horror game that makes you want to, that makes you think about 
what resources you have, and it does it so intelligently while still keeping that sort of third-person shooter and cover system that like Uncharted has, where you can sit behind cover and then pop up and shoot guys, but it incentivizes stealth kills, it incentivizes just sneaking past people, it caters to your play style in ways that I think is really really smart and really engaging i agree Uh, i do want to address a criticism i have and this is a criticism on the ps3 version too so it's not just a unique thing you're almost always with a companion character in the game and during stealth segments that companion character can wig out and run away and like run like right in front of enemies and stuff luckily their naughty dog was smart enough to realize that was a problem and enemies don't notice them but it does kind of break the illusion occasionally when like Ellie will just run a, run right by a clicker, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> don't do that. You just broke all the tension, uh, and it's not a constant problem, but it does happen enough that I thought it needed to be taken note of. Yeah, I I did notice that, especially in the chapter with Bill. Um, there's like clickers right outside, and you have these two characters that are just running everywhere, all crazy, and there's clickers yep. everywhere, and it's like just calm down. <laughs> this is super weird. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's honestly the biggest major criticism I have. Like, I genuinely think this is almost a perfect video game. So, like, and it, that's almost a nitpick, right? Like, I don't really have anything else I could talk about. I don't know, do you? Uh, while we're talking sort of about the actual presentation of it, um, the graphics we've praised, they are fantastic. My negative on the graphics is those spore-filled caves are impossible to see in. And I get that, you know, limiting the player's sight is sort of a way to build tension, but when you're just exploring around, there's no enemies, you're just swimming around as Joel, I actually found myself, and this was in both versions, the PS3 and the PS4 version, I found myself um, diving under the water because you can actually see where you're going instead of being on top of the water where the spores completely obscure your vision. I don't know, it just seems like they could have done something more to either brighten the area or clear out your vision a little bit. Um, And, you know, even if it's just slightly more clear when you're not in combat situations, I think that might work. But, oh man, it just was really frustrating to not be able to see. Yeah, I don't really have that issue, but it might just be a difference in display. Um, I also, again, this version they did add HDR, maybe that's it. But yeah, that's interesting. I I can totally see that. Uh, Are you a... Brick guy or a bottle guy? Uh, bottles all the way. Bottles. Okay. Well, I'm, I always think about the situation, right? Like, if I'm gonna throw something to make noise, bottles for sure. If I'm gonna throw something at a bandit's head, gotta be a brick. Well, and it's also cool because the brick dig does make some noise. It doesn't make as much as the bottle, but you can retrieve the brick. But the bottle smashes. So if you're gonna throw it multiple times and sort of direct enemies around and then pick them up again then you can do that, but the bottle, I think, is a lot more accessible. I don't know, my brain just works better with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do want to, again, praise the crafting system, because I can't tell you how many modern games I've played with confusing and just way too many lists of resources, and they're just kind of nonsense. And this game has, like, what, six different types of resources that combine for you to make, like six different types of items and a lot of the items share the same resources so you have to consider what you're using up and it just it all works really well and it's just simple enough to not be frustrating but just complicated enough to be engaging which i i find really great 
Yeah, the biggest example of this, I think, is the fact that the health kit and the Maltov cocktail require the exact same resources. So if you want to be more aggressive with it, you want to use those cocktails, then you might be low on resources to craft health kits. If you're playing it really safe, then you might not have the option once you get to a room full of clickers and want to throw a cocktail because it all attracts them directly into the fire. Um, yep. I think that is just really smart and makes you think about what resources you have to craft and then also the fact that you have to spend in-game time crafting it instead of, oh, well, I just need to, you know, pause the game, craft a cocktail, and then throw it. It's, oh, man, they're shooting at me. They might be flanking around me. I have to craft this quick. That's building tension. Um, yeah, the crafting system is fantastic in this game. Absolutely. Um, I think, I don't know, are you ready to get on to spoilers? I, I'm ready to talk about some, some story elements here, are you? Um, I do want to mention the quick time events. Okay, yeah, um, sure. What did you think about the, just, amount of quick time events in this game? Uh, I don't, I don't hate them. I don't, they're not frustrating to me. Like, like, they don't pop up in, like, action sequences or anything like they do in, let's say, the newest Spider-Man game. They're more like, if you get grabbed by a clicker, you have to mash square, or... Um, when you grab a clicker, you have to either hit triangle to shiv them or square to choke them out. I guess not a clicker in that case. So I, I don't know. I think they make sense contextually where you are. They're never, um, I never was frustrated by them. I never lost one, you know? Yeah, I never lost one either, but it seems super weird when, because I think the best use of quick time events and it became a huge thing, especially after Resident Evil 4 like every game wanted to use them after that but the way that resident evil 4 uses it is they'll put the quick time events in a cutscene where you're like okay i am just gonna watch a story sequence but then it's like no you have to be engaged so that's kind of a way of building tension but in this game it they use them almost too much and the main thing is that they use them during boring story segments like, oh, well, you're just wandering around talking to Ellie, but now you got to mash square to move a door or you got to hold triangle to pull the gate up. It's like, I don't know, that just seems needless. I get that they want the player to, you know, be looking at the screen and not just listening, but it's it's super weird. I think having them either in those events, but, you know, to surprise the player to be like, oh, it's tension now. Or, like you said, in combat when an enemy attacks you and you have to do it that way. Um, I think that's a better use of it when it's just in a boring story sequence. It seems unnecessary. Yeah, it, it's not something I personally notice. And maybe this might be a difference in like literal philosophy, but I've always hated that about Resident Evil 4. I hate games when they do that in the middle of a cutscene and it kills you and you have to rewatch the cutscene. It is like the most infuriating thing to me. So I'm, I'm, I honestly, I just think I'm glad when they're not <laughs> in spots like that personally. Yeah, I don't think it should fail preference. you and make you watch the cutscene again because that just sucks. Um, Resident Evil 4 is a great game. That's the worst part of it. <laughs> like, honestly. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. Um, uh, Metal Gear Peace Walker did that where it has these cutscenes that are comic book style. Um, but it has quick time events that you can, you know, engage with, but if you fail them, nothing really happens. So it's kind of less like that, but I think the way of just building tension with them, you know, if you have to open the gate 
slowly you have to hold triangle but there's enemies coming and you want to stealth past them which I guess this game does if you want to stealth past everything but then when an area is clear and you still have to do it it's kind of it's kind of weird you know what I'm saying it's not that's definitely true there's definitely some moments where like there's that and then there's also like a couple of animations that happen if you like there were definitely some arenas that I completely cleared out killed everybody and then went to go to the locked door unlocked it Shut it, and then Joel like shoves a cabinet in front of it, like all stressed out. And I'm like, dude, I killed everybody. Nobody's coming after us. It's fine. <laughs> so I can oh, get that. Also, if you're yeah. if you're running in a combat arena, he has a different running animation than his light jog when you're in story segments. Um, but if you're running and there's no enemies, and you go to open a door and he fucking kicks the shit out of it, you're like, holy Joel, calm down. <laughs> Just open the door. Um. I don't know. It's just little things. These are really nitpicks. I think the game is, you know, super fantastic and all of it. It's just, um, it really shows the time that it was made in where quick time events were still the huge big thing instead of like, nah, players are kind of sick of it. Yeah, totally. Um, and again, I would say, I don't think they impact enjoyment in any way. I don't think like if you're scared of quick time events, they're not, again, they're with the, I don't, I don't think they're ever really going to fail you. And I called the things where you grab a quicker quick time events. Not really. Those are the same buttons you use to activate those weapons normally. So I don't think that really counts, actually. Um, yeah, it's mainly a prompt to attack. To choke, but I think that's that's it. And I don't know. Because it's the same thing every time, it doesn't surprise you. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I don't think it's truly an issue, um, personally, at least. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Want to move on to spoilers? Actually, you know uh, what? Yeah. I don't. I'm I'm going back on that. I do want to mention the multiplayer because I unfortunately before this podcast I didn't get a chance to try to jump in again, and I don't think it's very I don't think it's very active anymore. I think the multiplayer in this game was amazing. Personally, it's one of the only multiplayers I've ever played where finishing the campaign genuinely I felt like made me better at the multiplayer because it incorporated everything: the stealth elements, the crafting. Everything about the campaign was in the multiplayer, and it was just really fun. And it gave that intensity that shows up in the single-player game to multiplayer matches, which I just, I don't know, I really admired. Okay, I mean, I'll have to take your word on it. I didn't give the multiplayer a shot at all on either version, so. Yeah, I mean, Naughty Dog, surprisingly, I think the multiplayer modes in the Uncharted games were also pretty good. Like, they're they're pretty good at it, Uh, which I guess is not surprising. (laughs) I think they're just good at game design. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, let's talk story. So definitely play this game. Do not listen past this point until you've played it. Please. Like genuinely, it's one of the greatest video games of all time, if not the greatest. Yeah, and even if you, you know, do play it, you don't think it's the greatest game of all time, it's still really good. And I think you should experience the story firsthand. Um, That's the best way to experience Don't Get It Spoiled for you. I know this game is seven years old. I'm sure some things have been out there, but go in blind if you can. It is really a powerful, very moving experience throughout the whole thing. Joel and Ellie have been traveling for, you know, a year together. You'd think maybe he takes a day and goes, 
let's teach you how to fucking swim because we come across water so often and it is <laughs> such a big obstacle for us oh let's just God. take a couple hours i'm gonna teach you how to doggy paddle <laughs> it's just it's it's so funny to me yeah like, i did think that towards the end of the game i'm like wait they've been traveling for a year you think <laughs> she'd learn to swim somewhere you know at one point you know you get the chance you get the They've been traveling in rural Wyoming, which is full of lakes and rivers. And like, just take a minute. Let, let's take this day. We're going to rest. We'll, we'll, we'll practice our swimming because it's going to come in handy. Trust me. <laughs> Last of Us 2, she has to be able to swim. At the, towards the end of this game, Joel goes, oh, yeah, I'll teach you how to play the guitar. Last of Us 2 trailer immediately starts with her playing the guitar. One of those things Joel had to teach her is swimming. If they try to pull that shit in the next game, I'm going to be so mad. If she can't swim as an adult, I don't feel bad for her. Like she drowns and <laughs> I'm like, you know swim, what? swim, damn it. You should have learned. You should have learned. You had all this time. Whatever, Ellie. We're done here. Yeah, let's uh, let's start the serious discussion. Let's talk about what when I first played this game, I was shocked by. And I think a lot of people were caught off guard by. Which is the intro. I don't think oh most people God. expected them to start it in modern day at all let alone how fucked up and distressing it is did you when you first started this game um i i mean i didn't know what to think the first time i played this the first time i played this i actually borrowed um i borrowed your brother's ps3 and he loaned it to me to play this game specifically and you know i had no expectations going into it and man and replaying it especially this is the saddest intro to any game I've ever played. Holy shit. And it's, again, like a lot of the game, it's not going to surprise you with the twist. The second it starts, you know it's going to happen, right? We've all seen these movies. We've all seen media like this. But it doesn't matter. Hearing, like, just the imagery of Joel holding his daughter, who's now been riddled with bullet holes, and crying is fucking... It's down... Like... Man, shout out to Troy Baker, because fuck, that acting is incredible. Like, second to none, honestly. It is so impactful, and every time I watch it, I know it's coming, and I choke up every single time. And even, it's not a shock, it's not trying to surprise you right at the start of the game, because if you look at a trailer, you look at the fucking box art, you know that Ellie's a part of this game, and you're like, this isn't the same little girl, something happens to this one. And then you're like, oh, shit, <laughs> something really does happen to this one, huh? And I know this is going to sound like a thing we shouldn't be commending them for, but I do. They showed a child getting shot. Like, it's so gruesome. But also at the same time, it just... I know that sounds horrible, but it, it's just well, so... yeah, it really... It's so effective. Right off the bat, it shows the stakes of the situation because, you know, you have the infected storming in. This is right at the outbreak so there's no clickers or anything it hasn't been that long they're just you know the neighbors that are now overly aggressive which always fucks me up about zombie movies um coopers but then he calls them the coopers right yeah it's like oh shit these are like this is real um but then the people that gun down sarah joel's daughter um is the military and the military is trying to contain it so they're not letting, you know, civilians escape for the fear that they might be infected and they don't want it to spread, which is so tragic because they did not, you know, the guy that actually shoots her 
is on the radio and he's like, are you sure? It's a little girl. And he's like, you have your orders. So then he does. And that right there just like immediately shows you the stakes of the outbreak, the stance that the military has on it, and then also Joel's entire character motivation for the whole game. It is such a really, really powerful intro and it might be depressing as fuck, but it shapes the entire game, which is what an intro should do. I think this entire narrative and this entire game is an amazing example of show, don't tell. And I think this chapter does that beautifully, right? Think about this. This is this AAA video game, which we know is going to be sad before it came out, right? We've seen the trailers, we know. We know, right, when we see Sarah, she's probably not going to make it. But think about this. We don't start playing this game as Joel. The first thing we do is we control Sarah, the child. That is the first time we control the game. We see it all from her perspective. And without telling us this is scary, that shows us it's scary because we're seeing it all through a child's eyes. I always think about the car ride, right? Getting in with her in the backseat is so effective. Like, it just, no matter who you are, you've done that before. You've sat in the back of your parents' car while they're driving somewhere. And it just, it makes the stakes seem very real and very scary without having to be like, this is real and yeah, scary. And, well, it just shows you that, right? At no point in this game and do I, they I, explain I explicitly what the infection is. Like, you know it's a fungus because of, I think, like a TV report in the opening. But that's about it. You know, it's very ambiguous and very you know not knowing exactly what it is builds the fear of the thing in itself um and seeing it from a child's perspective and seeing joel and his brother tommy in the car you know talking to each other and not talking to sarah you know they're trying to deal with it like adults and they're like oh don't let the kid it's just such a such a relatable way to start the game and Man, because then once you actually do start taking control of Joel, it's after the car crashes and Sarah's, you know, out of commission for the most part. Um, So then it's Joel trying to protect her as he's running through the city. So you switch from this very vulnerable place as a child to this also pretty vulnerable place of trying to protect the child. (laughs) I don't know. It's just... um, It's really... I don't know. I could. There's so much praise that can be put on this intro. It's so good. Yeah, and I, I'm sure there's like an amazing like essay, somebody will write or ha- probably has about just the storytelling in general. We also get the trend of that this game does where it has hard cuts to black, which I think is a brilliant move on the editing. Anytime something super intense happens, we don't linger on it too too long. We see it happen and then we just get a hard cut, which is immediately like, oh my god, what happened? holy shit that just happened it doesn't give us time to like be in that moment which i think in this case is like a really smart thing because it gets our minds racing right and we we time jump a lot during these 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 things that happen and it just it's really i find it to be yeah, really effective well, and this and also a really shares nice a lot trick. with um movies that are attempting to display like it's all done in one take um the example that comes immediately to mind is 1917 where they're showing this linear journey. And the only time they actually cut in that movie is when the main character is knocked unconscious. And this game 
kind of does the same thing. You know, if Joel's knocked unconscious, that's when the screen goes black. Or if we need to jump a long time period, it's usually right after something traumatic happens and they escape. Um, so the way that they, you know, cut to black and skip time is very, it seems very realistic. And the way that it doesn't do that in between cutscenes is very, you know, it kind of shows this sort of linear progression of their journey. And you're very, in a, you know, very into the story at this point. You are right there in the action um, and the lack of cuts only when they're needed, you know, used very sparingly is very impactful and does a lot to emphasize the story. Sparingly and, in my opinion, smartly, right? Because we cut on an intense scene, take the scene with Sam and Henry, right? Uh, which we can discuss further in a minute if you want. But that scene happens and then it cuts. A lot of other forms of media, I think, would linger on that. And would be like, okay, now we're going to spend the next four days. What's happened right after that? And we're going to very dramatize this. And, you know, I think a lot of that you run the risk of tiring out the viewer. And the worst thing you can do is tire them out to the point where they don't care anymore, right? And I think Naughty Dog, uh, Neil Druckmann, the writer, understands that. And Bruce Draley, uh, they understood that. And so giving us these hard cuts and jump forwards in time allows them to explore what happened through you know the characters talking to each other occasionally but it also tells us through what they're not talking about um how those how that stuff went right yeah it's, well and also i think it's pretty masterful it's kind of a way of and this seems weird because it cuts away from the characters to you don't see their reaction immediate after immediately after you know you don't see them be like holy shit the fucking whatever it's like you know, it cuts, but then it kind of puts you into that moment of you have to reflect on the scene that just happened and not showing you any new information at that moment is very much, okay, you have to process this thing just as the characters are processing this thing, um, which when it's an intense scene like Sam and Henry, um, you know, that's a lot, you know, not having that sort of relief of still interacting with the characters it really makes those moments hit hard and makes you contemplate about them a lot deeper than I think it could have been. It's brutal. Like it, it really is. And I, and I think it, because it does that, right. It makes you fill in gaps and it makes you assume things. And sometimes those things are not nice and it doesn't have to tell you that again. It's, it's just show, not tell. Right. Um, we keep talking about Sam and Henry, right? There's a conversation, and I think it might be actually, it's an optional conversation, where they find a child's grave, or a small grave at least, and Joel talks about it, and he says, that's oh, too small. And Ellie looks at it and goes, fuck, I forgot to put that robot on his grave. And that's all we need, right? I mean, yeah. I'm already sad just thinking about that line. We didn't have to spend 45 minutes being sad about yeah, it. Yeah, well, and then we also that seconds. conversation um, with that optional line, which I did uh, find this playthrough, is Joel continues to say explicitly that he doesn't want to talk about it. And then Ellie's like, no, we need to talk about it to you know express the feelings about it. And Joel just straight up does not want to. Um, because he doesn't want to get emotionally attached to it because look what happened to his daughter and Tess and all of the rest of the things. He, if he gets emotionally attached to it and then it's taken away, then he spends more time grieving instead of trying to survive. And 
you know, it's really heartbreaking because Ellie does want to. You know, we see this in Left Behind, which I know isn't the main game, but she, you know, wants to process this stuff and she wants to talk about it and get her feelings out and that's a really healthy way of taking care of your feelings and Joel is doing it in a very unhealthy way of bottling it up and not discussing it and you know it's just really but all of none of that is said you know it's all just you're with the characters it's all subtext and it's done really masterfully honestly totally um I want to shout out to when we when we cut to Boston after that first scene and it's 20 years later again talking about the subtext and it not having to tell us about that time period it just showing things and us getting it right cutting to joel and he's all old and he looks a little weathered and then having tests there and the way they interact it tells us without actually telling us how the last 20 years have been right the way he interacts with tests it doesn't come across like the way he interacted with sarah right um because that was more of a yeah because he comes across more as a caring person back then right as a person who loves his daughter and his brother and cares about them right when he talks to Tess we get it they're close kind of but they're also distant right it's it's a different way of interacting with people we get the sense that they've been together a long time we don't know in what capacity right are they friends are they lovers maybe they're both but it doesn't it doesn't have that warmness and I think that that's just incredible like truly incredible sad writing because um because at this point in the story they're you know it's immediate hard cut after the opening and then you get joel and tess who are both smugglers they are tasked to smuggle things out of the quarantine zone um you know sneak past the military and get guns and stuff into the city and all that and they have this rapport with each other that is very sort of like business partners that are close co-workers but not you know they're not very emotionally open and having that and then having that once ellie enters the picture he has that same sort of dynamic where he doesn't want to open up to her and he's just doing it as a job he doesn't care and then the entire game having him open up and become attached and get over that to his own detriment is so great it's so fantastic yep 100 percent um i mean think about that the last scene with tess right where she suddenly becomes almost obsessed with this idea of getting ellie to the fireflies because she might be the cure and god that scene is so good because ellie realizes it right because tess has had a change in mood and demeanor and she's like oh she's infected like she knows she's going to die and this is kind of her last ditch effort to do something good and there's a line there where she grabs joel and she says hey if there was anything here anything at all please do this for me right again implying a lot implying that these two were probably you know were probably not just business partners um but they were probably never emotionally close in that way and yeah and that's the biggest takeaway for this entire writing and why i think it works so well is all of the implications and i mean huge shout out to the actors that actually did this because they really sell this um because the writing is very subtle in what it does but the performances really bring out all of this subtext 
um, just those implications of how the characters feel by the way they interact is, is massive. It speaks way louder than how they would, how you would do it in, if you were telling it, if, instead of just showing, showing how they feel by how they interact. Yeah. I mean, to compare it and some spoilers for Final Fantasy VII, right? But that's the most recent, uh, AAA game we played to compare this to. There's a moment. Uh, and it's an optional moment. Uh, we talked about this on the other podcast, but you can have with Aerith in her garden where she literally turns to Cloud and says, you're not allowed to fall in love with me. And I really criticized that moment in that podcast. And I, like, and, and I think this game only em- emphasizes that where I'm like, that is doing sub- subtext poorly because you're not doing subtext at all. You're just telling me this instead of actually showing me. And I think that I mean, there's a lot of, and it's not just Final Fantasy VII I want to dog on. There's a lot of media that does that. And playing something like this really reinforces and reminds you, like, what good writing is and how, when that's applied correctly, how good it can elevate a thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to, and this is not the topic of the episode, but that scene in Final Fantasy where if you want to take it as the way of, you know, this is Cloud imagining it and it's him talking to himself, it's still pretty ham-fisted in that way. Um but the other optional scene with um, Tifa, where, you know, he she hugs him and then he hugs her back. And then um, Tifa's line is that um, she says, like, you're hurting me or something. It is very, you know, it's just very kind of subtle that Cloud also really needed this. Um, so having that, that dichotomy and how The Last of Us brings that subtlety about how they feel you know um i want to bring mention to the scene where and it's several scenes but where ellie is constantly wanting to have a gun to protect herself it's um in the chapter with bill and then once the danger actually shows up and ellie you know uses a gun to save joel then he he opens up and he is like okay you know i should trust her more I should definitely give her a gun to protect me. I'm not worried about her. I'm not going to treat her like a kid like I did with my own daughter. I'm going to give her the power that she needs. So then, you know, following that, he does give her a gun and tasks her with protecting him while he flanks the enemy. Um, You know, all of that story-wise is pretty simple. You know, Ellie has a gun now. Cool. But all of that character building and development and lead up to that moment is really what drives that totally and the thing that makes that moment strong too is it doesn't happen right away right she takes his gun when when that enemy is attacking you kills him and he's mad at her for like a good 15 minutes right it's kind of an intense section where they won't they don't really talk to each other and he's like frustrated and you get the sense that it's him working through his mind working you know kind of changing his way of thinking where he's considering her a kid like he would have 20 years ago when there weren't zombies running around and he has to kind of change his mind to the new paradigm right and i love seeing that happen kind of in real time it's it's pretty impressive and also to take a trope like that which every apocalyptic zombie style fiction does right oh the kids the kid needs a gun everything does that walking dead's done that (laughs) you know it's it's pretty common and to make it feel very real and very believable and good is so impressive. And it's really, again, 
I've got, I gotta stop saying this, but a testament to yeah, the quality and, of writing. I mean, we've praised the shit out of this writing because it is phenomenal, and the performances are top notch. Like it is legit better than most movies, <laughs> which is, I know, kind of a big claim, but the performance and the storytelling is really that impressive. I do want to talk about the fall chapter because I think this is the weakest writing in the entire game um so fall as you know um joel and ellie make it to wyoming where tommy is set up in the dam um with his wife so he goes he's trying to get ellie to go with tommy instead so that he can kind of be done with the job and not have to think about his dead daughter anymore all of that um but Oh, I think we're so about all to of have that is great. Disagreement. Um, Continue. <laughs> the way that the problem I have with this chapter is that it doesn't ever know how to end a scene. This chapter is, you know, you get a scene where Joel and Tommy are arguing about, you know, he wants Tommy to do this thing. And then Tommy's like, no, I have a life here. And there's this tension building and they're, you know, being nasty brothers to each other. And then they don't really know how to resolve that conflict. So they're like, oh, just throw enemies there. And then we'll end the scene just prematurely. And it's like, okay, one time, sure. But then Joel and Ellie are arguing it about, about it as well after Ellie runs off. And it's like, okay, we're going to, you know, talk about it and work out this conflict. And then they're like, oh, no, we got to throw enemies in here because we don't want to end the scene. That just feels really clunky to me. And I get that it's like, you know, I guess it kind of works in the story, but it seems like they didn't want to resolve a conflict in a natural way. They kind of just wanted to shuffle it off until at the end of the chapter, Joel's like, oh, well, yeah, we're just going to go. And it's, I'm, I'm going to take you because whatever. But like, I don't know, the writing in this chapter just seemed super clunky because of it. Hmm. I couldn't disagree with you more about the Elliot Joel argument in particular. I think that's one of my favorite scenes in the game. I, I do agree that the turn there where Joel decides to take her does seem to happen fast. And I honestly th think that's because there's no gameplay in between. Like if they had had you ride the horses back to the settlement, I think that might have helped. Um, given, you know, given the player and given some interactions to kind of sell, like like the gun moment, right? To kind of like communicate the feelings that are happening there. That being said, I think the acting in that argument is so good, and I like that it ends horribly, like a lot of bad arguments do, right? I like that Ellie says, I'm not Sarah, you don't have to worry about me like that, and Joel, you know, not stopping or saying, I'm going to think this through, says, you're right, you're not my daughter, and it's the most brutal line of dialogue. It's It's awful, like it's awful to listen to it hurts in the way that like good drama hurts at least to me like it, it gave me a heavy heart and you're right they do throw enemies at you after that i think some of that helps because I, I i think that house that you're in makes for an amazing combat arena but I, I i get your point there um but i do think if if maybe they had had a little bit more gameplay um it would be a different story um i do agree with the way they end the argument with him and tommy though i do think that that is very sudden and it is the one place in the game where i'm like enemies right now right here yeah well and i convenient. think having that with joel and ellie's argument in the house um i think that works i think that you know having tommy be like we got problems you gotta 
stop arguing, um, putting a stop to that, and then having them sort of stew about it in their own heads, which we definitely see with the way Ellie reacts during that entire sequence. You know, she is completely silent even when Joel's talking to her. All of that really works. It's just having that follow Joel and Tommy's argument, which ends way too prematurely. They don't resolve it, really, and then after you get back, then it's like, Tommy's like, oh, okay, we'll figure this out, blah, 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 I gotta go talk to my wife. Um, It doesn't seem like they really resolve the argument, and then at the end, Joel's like, okay, I'm gonna take her. That seems super rushed. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's it just was kind of a compounded issue that I think could have used, like, maybe one more tweak. It could have been pretty great, but, um, you know, it's not... It's not a major complaint. I still love this chapter um, as I do the rest of the game. It's just, I don't know, that was that just really rubbed me the wrong way, and then the ending of the chapter feels really rushed. I want to make one more point about it before we move on. Um, and maybe this is just me reading too much into things. I think that Tommy deciding to take her moment happens when he sees her run up to Joel and start being like, oh, there were so many guys, and I took one out, and, you know, having that very excited, like, kid-like demeanor, and having him be like, are you okay? It, I think that's Tommy seeing that, and being like, oh no, this reminds you, this is Sarah. You're, you're putting Sarah onto this girl. And I think that's why. Um, personally. Yeah, I but mean, again, I maybe think that works, it's just it. that I feel like the, because the argument that they have was all about you know, Joel sort of in being insensitive to Tommy's existing life and, you know, wanting Tommy to just ditch his wife and his entire town that he's built to deliver this girl. And, you know, it's dangerous. They don't know if Tommy's going to make it back. So all of that, I don't feel like that part of it was resolved. I can definitely see why Tommy would be like, okay, I know this is really hard for you because I loved Sarah too, as you did, and that sucked, and I can definitely see why this is really emotional for you, so I'll do that, but I don't know, that part just didn't seem, we could have had a little bit more screen time with that aspect of it, um, instead of them throwing a bunch of enemies in the, in the dam, and like, hey, you gotta go fight a bunch of enemies, it's like, okay, uh, alright. Well, since we're here, let's talk about the university, because... Man, they nailed the look of a university. <laughs> I've never been to um, Colorado, but I can tell you, like, walking down those ha- hallways and seeing those shitty chairs, I'm like, yep, sit, sat in plenty of those. <laughs> yeah, man, the university level is really great. It is. It's it's a phenomenal one. And I love... This is... Well, I guess the hotel, too, had one. This is one of the first areas where I was like... And on this playthrough, too, actually, this is the first time I appreciated them, um, having a bloater enemy mixed in with the normal enemies. Because of the way that enemy is introduced, I actually, I, I've kind of hated them. I don't like them as boss fights. I think that they're kind of lame, and I think that they're kind of the one thing about this, about the enemies and this game that feels very video gamey. if you know what I mean. Like, they're throwing the boss bombs and then, at you, um, and you're like... There's a moment in the chapter with Bill when Joel's hanging upside down, and you just have to shoot a bunch of guys feels really i don't mind that moment but it, it is very uncharted right <laughs> like they just give you unlimited ammo well, and they're like yeah the fact ham. that you don't have to actually 
worry about bullets while you're doing that. You have infinite ammo. It's like, this seems really weird. And it feels like the combat getting in the way of a story sequence. And the bloater especially is like, okay, now pump this guy full of lead. It's like, okay, well, eh, all right. It's a game, I guess. (laughs) It's not making me... I mean... At least it's introduced in a cool environment, right? Like, yeah, I like you fight it school. in a basketball gym. Like, that's it's great. neat to run around the gymnasium, and yeah, but like playing this and walking around those dorm rooms, right, with the infected, and having a bloater mix there, it made me realize, no, this is great for the stealth encounters, right? Because that's not an enemy you can take out with the shiv. This is an enemy you have to deal with in some form of open combat. So it really forces you to think about your strategy and think about getting everybody else first. Uh, if that's the way you want to go. And I don't know, there's something... And I also just feel like there's something uniquely terrifying about the bloater. Um, because, A, it's not much bigger than the other enemies. So from a distance, if you're using the listening mode, which I also think is brilliant, by the way, they, the silhouette is not so much bigger. You could mistake it for a clicker or another enemy if you're far away, which I think is great because when you get close, you go, oh, shit, that's a bloater. And... I don't know. I, it gave me an appreciation for them that I didn't have before. Yeah, well, and that moment especially, because when they're first introduced, it very much feels like, here's a combat encounter for our video game. In the second time, it's very much a a smart use of them where this is a big threat that you have to maneuver around, um, and you have to think about the environment and the actual enemies around you to deal with instead of, you're already in a fight, there's no stealth ca- uh, capabilities, you know shoot the guy um this gives you the option of stealth to stealth around it and it's also a great use of of quick time events for this game because the exit to that area is a quick time event door where you have to you know push a thing behind the door away so realistically you can't exit until you've actually cleared the enemies because you're going to make a lot of noise and they're probably going to kill you before you get through the door which you know they could have just locked the door because video game but they want to integrate it and i think that's super cool but the way that this is handled you know you can clear out the rest of them with stealth shoot them with arrows the way i did it was i shot a lot of the clickers with arrows and then once i got ready to fight the bloater i um threw a bunch of uh, nail bombs around and then threw a um, molotov towards where the um nail bombs are so i could set up the way i wanted to fight this before i even actually activate the combat and exit stealth i can set up you know the arena to my advantage which was really engaging i really loved that and having a tougher enemy to do that with was super cool yeah it makes you consider things differently right you can't just play it the way you've been doing with 90 percent of the other stealth arenas in this game you have to think and engage with it slightly differently which i i I really appreciated that area also is just super cool sneaking through dorm rooms and again it's very visually because i think there's only i played this game on normal mode um there was only four bloaters in the entire game um let me think there's the one in the gym there's the one in the hotel and there's the one in here one in the hotel there's three of them Yes, there is in the bottom area in the Resident Evil like oh, rip yes, straight from yes, that yes, game after you fall type in the elevator industrial area. Yeah, and then there's three of them in that like final descent into hell yeah, as in I describe the freeway it. Freeway tunnel. There's um, there's a few of them in there. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, and that's pretty hit and miss for an enemy because the first one, 
I don't think is a really great encounter. The second one in the U- oh, and there's the one in the in winter. Um, yes, that you fight okay. with um, David. He shows up in that like yeah. Well, again. all of those is, you know, the ones in the freeway tunnel in the the one you fight with David. All of those are great because it makes you consider your environment, you know, your exit routes, and then also how you want to set traps for the bloater because it is also blind, but it takes a lot more to kill it. So setting bombs and throwing cocktails and throwing items to distract it, all of that is super fantastic, and I wish they did more with that. Yep, it's the open combat that I think that enemy kind of falls apart. And just when they present it like a boss fight, it's just like, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right for this game. It's not bad. It's not like the other boss fights we've talked about on this podcast, where I rail on them. Uh, I don't think it's like bad or anything. It just doesn't feel right. It, it, it doesn't. Yeah. Work. Mainly, it's once they force you, when they force you into a combat situation, the combat really doesn't do it for me. It's when I have the option to initiate combat and I'm thinking on that, then it's interesting to me. Um, I do want to mention the only other real boss in this game and that is david well let's um let's back up and discuss winter as a whole let's um um, listeners sorry and that's a bit jarring we took a break too bathroom and get more water um you were about to talk about the boss of the winter section i want to back it up and talk about the winter section as a whole because i think that section is maybe one of the best like two hours in gaming yeah man i i did enjoy that winter section i i love the story and the environments and then the actual combat but some of the elements did kind of falter for me, namely the crafting and the um, exploration sort of faltered in here, mainly because in winter you're playing as Ellie instead of Joel. So you know kind of... Okay, I will say, actually, best section in in gaming except for the arena fight with with, um, Ellie and David when when the bloater shows up and there's no stealth that that that's a bit rough Sorry. um you were, yeah you were well, the exp- exploration and sort of resource gathering elements of the main game you know with joel doesn't quite translate because ellie can't craft everything that joel can and um the resources aren't shared so you know that you know sort of in the back of your mind that it's gonna it's not really gonna matter after this section so you know whether you played it or not i think you still kind of know that it's it's a different resource pool it's not quite as engaging to find things you know it's not quite as exciting i will say though the combat for the ellie sections is really really great <laughs> it is and i want to talk about this moment cuz the first time i played this game right we we get the the end of the university section where Joel gets thrown off a ledge by a bandit. Oh my god. And falls on top of a piece of That is the most grisly scene I've ever seen in anything. Oh my god. Yeah, and we get this very intense action sequence where 
Ellie helps him up and she's kind of helping you through as your shooting guys and it's it's so effective man it's um it works it it works so well there's there's a moment where he where he's laying on the rebar and she's like what do i do what do i do what do i do how can i help you and he's like trying to get the word out and he gets it out and he's like move and he shoves her out of the way as the doors fly open and you sh- it's and you shoot these guys it's like this game isn't very full on action like Uncharted, but that is one of the few moments where I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> like that was so awesome and intense all at once. And I mean, really, that whole section is where it's very on rails, but Ellie's kind of guiding you through, trying to get you through the building and escape the the incoming bandits. And it's just it's so good, and you do, and that section culminates in the ending of Fall, um, with Joel falling off the horse and Ellie you know running to him and kind of grabbing him and shaking him and screaming what do i do what do i do and freaking out and then we get the hard cut to winter again another amazing edit and it starts off with just ellie and the first time you play this game i don't know about you but i was like oh <laughs> yeah, they Joel's just him. sorry <laughs> this is just ellie on her own man i i remember the first time i played this game which i played this game it's the only game one of the very very few games i've ever played this intensely because I played this game over three sessions, um, one of them being all night, which I, I never do. <laughs> um, and I remember this being a moment where I had to stop and be like, I cannot believe that just happened. Yeah, man, the major props to the animation team and all of that, because you can really, really feel all of the pain that Joel's in through that whole section. God, he is grimacing. He's like struggling to stand up. He's still trying to shoot guys, which is impressive for a man in his state. Um, but he's clutching his side. He has to lean on things. and then. El- but he's still trying to be strong. He doesn't want to lean on Ellie. And Ellie has to protect him. All of that sort of pain really comes through. And, oh, my God, it's so powerful. But then, you know, he falls over and you immediately cut to winter. And you're playing as Ellie hunting for food. And they don't really explain how Joel what what joel's doing so you know you are um no i think the only real like heart you kind of know that joel's still alive like they couldn't they're not gonna kill him off like that um you didn't see him die so that's why i'm like do you know that i mean i guess but i i think that i i I disagree like to be fair they tell you pretty quickly you're not left there for hours thinking is he dead it's shout out to the scene by the way with david when they have ellie and again the acting is so fucking dark here right where she's in the she's behind bars in their settlement and he's like so disgusting and so like i can help you had given ellie all of joel's stuff i would have thought he was dead because then it's like okay there's no reason to go to think that i'm going back to the original character oh you there because this is it you know i have all the same stuff joel or ellie just kind of picked it up off of joel's corpse because it's resources but but i think you know you're not left in suspense that long once she actually you know tracks down the deer and then finds david and they're like, okay, what do you need? And she's like, medicine. You're like, okay, Joel's still alive. She just needs medicine for him. Um, yes, let's.
It happens. It's all good. I didn't know until yeah, you just said I'll it. Yeah, I'll stop so. it and we can make a point here. Uh, There's like, don't sleep on Troy Baker, Nolan North, and Ashley Johnson. They're fucking incredible. He gives off the worst, the creepiest, awfulest vibes, right? Like, immediately, too. <laughs> you never left like, is this guy good? Uh, he's unnerving to be around. He gives off this very... You know, to just say it, pedophile, like, awful, just, <laughs> like, you hate it. And I, I shout out to Nolan North, because, god damn, I did not know he had that range. Um, yeah, man, that, that story beat with, um, with David after, you know, his buddy runs off and they're sitting around the fire, and he's like, oh, my, uh, gang of bandits they got attacked by a older man and a young lady he kind of points to this like oh my, oh my god. god i'm like holy shit and then ellie immediately like jumps off and points her gun at him i'm like yeah like that was like oh man this is crazy and i do have some some criticisms about that moment later but um like towards the end of the chapter but oh man like the vibes that this guy goes off immediately is super creepy and it's like sort of ambiguous because it's like, why does he have medicine? And he's with someone else and they send him to go back. So there's probably a lot more guys, but you don't know exactly his motivation. Um, and then you find out that he's the leader of like the bandits that are kind of hunting you for a good portion of the game. Um, and he becomes sort of this main villain for a little bit. But man, that performance. And then once the once the infected show up and you know that this guy is kind of evil you know <laughs> but then yeah you, you still have, have to, to fight to them. survive yeah. and you're both you know sharing ammunition and um then you have to set traps and you're like he's kind of leading you through like hey i don't i know you don't trust me but i'm still gonna try and help you live like that is so interesting um the way that whole sequence the entire winter chapter really plays out just these swapping back and forth between joel and ellie's perspective talk about good editing and stuff that just it just from story perspective it's incredible i think that we get joel and we haven't really addressed this right but we've talked about his past and how good that is about you know telling us he's he's had some intense shit in his life um there are a couple moments in this game where we get that joel is not a good person and I think this is like the culmination, ultimate example of that, this torture scene. Oh my god, that is also very which grisly. One of the most brutal torture scenes ever, and j- just period, and not just video games, right? Like, I to compare it to another video game, I like to do that, sorry. But GTA V has a torture scene, right? And GTA V's torture scene, I hate, and I think a lot of people hate, because it feels really unnecessary and really gross. Contrasted with this one, which feels really gross, but it feels congruent to the character and it feels right like this is one of those scenes that's super gross but you're also kind of like fuck yeah like yes fuck these people but also joel you're kind of a maniac i mean the impact and the sound design for when he stabs the dude in the leg and then just like hammers it in there oh my god you can feel that it's so rough and then you know joel's just grimacing and like 
really just leaning into it. You're like, oh my god, Joel, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> it's the line of dialogue that gets me is when he, you know, he he's fucking torturing that guy, fucking with his kneecaps, and he puts the knife in his mouth and tells him to mark the spot on the map where Ellie is, where their bandit camp is. With the blood on the knife. Yes, and he says, I'm going to go verify it with your buddy over there. And he's like, okay, he'll tell you the same thing. Joel immediately gets up, chokes him out, kills him. And the other guy's like, wait, 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 I can tell you, I can tell you. And Joel's line of dialogue, it's just a very simple, very brutal line where he says, I believe him. And then he just kills oh the other God. guy. Oh my It's so God. fucked up. It's so impactful. And you're like, that was not necessary, Joel. But you get it from his character's perspective. You get it based on what we've had implied about his past and about how he survived. There's a moment in this game where, um, way, way earlier on, after they get ambushed in Pittsburgh, where Ellie's talking about that. And it's, he, I don't forget, I don't forget if he says it outright or, it's just implied where he's like, I've been on both sides, you know, the ambushed and the ambusher. And like, it's just a bunch of moments like that where you've been like, it, it just feels like a combination of that stuff. And you're like, okay, Joel can be super fucking brutal if he needs to be. And I think despite having a ton of scenes, despite having, you know, the gameplay where you're choking out people, this is a very crystallizing moment and a very, in a moment of, don't fuck with Joel. Like, despite all of that, it rises above all of that in terms of its brutality and it's like, just, ugh. Yeah, man. And this might be reading also really far into things that aren't shown on screen, but um, it's mentioned in the game that Joel had Sarah, um, like, really young. You know, he was, um, I think, 18 um, when he had Sarah. So... In a way, it's kind of like he had this kid and then he wasn't allowed to, you know, be his own person in his 20s. He kind of had to just immediately jump into this father figure. So in a way, that's kind of defined his entire personality growing up in those, you know, 20 something years, you know, in in his 20s is when he was doing this, um, you know, once you know, he loses Sarah, that completely decimates him because being a father has kind of been his entire role as a person. So then when Ellie shows up, he kind of is able to get that part of him back, but he doesn't want to. So then once he fully embraces it, which I think happens in this winter chapter, especially, um, he fully embraces his, um, his dad personality and is like, okay, I'm going to do whatever I can to protect Ellie. And, that that kind of is his entire personality that he's built upon himself so he's doing all of this completely brutal shit just to protect not only this person that he's cared that he's caring about but you know this part of himself that he's built i don't know if that makes any sense but yeah i can totally see that and and i mean like he probably wouldn't have done those things for tess right or bill or maybe even tommy so I, I get where you're coming from. Like, I, I think that that's not a bad observation at all. Um, so I just want to shout out the scene with Ellie and David when he has her, you know, behind bars in the in the town. 
it is so well acted and so disturbing and so entertaining all at once that it's 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 truly incredible but where he's like very creepily telling her they can help her and asking her for her name and stroking her hand which is all awful and there's the moment where ellie reaches for the keys and he like grabs her and bangs her against the the um the railing and is this where she bites him it's it's somewhere around here but whatever she gets him and she bites him and she's like ellie tell him ellie tell him ellie's the little girl who bit your fucking hand or something like that and it's just the most it really shows you ellie's character and how strong she is and how almost it's actually smart because of the event that happens later but almost kind of strong-headed she can be where like I think most people in that situation would have tried to think strategically and tried to work without it until they could escape where she's like fuck you I'm just gonna fuck you up no matter how I can and I I love that scene I really do yeah well and it also shows how she's grown over the few seasons that she's been with Joel um and on this journey because originally she was not you know she was wanting to be powerful but she wasn't quite there yet um like when she shoots the guy for the first time she's like holy shit i can't believe i just did that um but then you know at this point she's like okay i've you know seen shit like this i can deal with it she's a little more emotionally prepared for it and I think all of that just really, really works. And then, oh my God, the when they have her, you know, like pinned down to the table and they have the axe or the um, the butcher's knife and she's like, I'm infected, I'm infected. And then he's bitten and it's like, oh my God, that's, you know, sowing the distrust in the group and also trying to show that she has power over him and all of that just super works in the scene. It's really, really well done. And also, when you just when you thought these people couldn't get any more creepy and evil, they're cannibals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I mean, I mean again, I understand the criticisms with that, right? It's like these are villains for villains' sake, but I also don't hate it, right? I, I think that they're acted so well, and you know, maybe some scenes or some maybe even optional dialogue or optional journal entries or something to flush that out would have helped a bit with some of that but I, I i honestly don't mind it the way they did it i think this chapter goes by at such a breakneck pace that you kind of don't have time to stop and think about it right because you're again swiping between joel and her and trying to meet up um what did you think about the boss fight in this area um i, I do want to mention that joel does get one dose of antibiotics and he's like totally good after that <laughs> like okay joel uh, yeah, you're, okay, sure. Um, uh, also a huge shout out for that scene. Um, when Joel's torturing the guy, um, he says how she's his new pet. And then it cuts to, after that scene, it cuts to Ellie after she's breaking out, uh, broken out and she's breaking out into a pet store. I think that is really clever. I just really like that. Um, you know, cause it's like, oh, it's, she's his pet but then she's breaking out of the pet store to, you know, kill a bunch of dudes basically. So it's kind of her breaking out of the situation, but then also out of her own cage of the pet cages and all that. It's super, super 
minor thing that they put in there, but is so great. Um, but I do want to talk about the boss fight because this boss fight is one of the best stealth bosses that I've ever played. Really interesting because I would describe this boss fight as horrible up until the last phase. So let me let me get your take on it. Um, yeah, so I mean, I've played uh, Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 and the best boss fights in those games my in my opinion are the Vulcan Raven fights in MGS1 where it's a combination of trying to hide from him and avoid his projectiles and all that but then still stay on the offensive and kind of figure out trying to sneak behind him and set up traps and all that I think this does something similar where you are trying to get his position and get his sort of movement patterns um and you can see it in the animations for him where he's looking around corners and he's looking to like the next place to run so you can kind of get a read on him and then trying to maneuver around behind him in order to stab him and also maneuvering around the broken plates on the floor so you don't alert him and you can't use any guns in this because he's way better and you can't just rush him because he will he's immune to that he'll just shove um you know, just shove you off, but I don't know, it just, it was really great to see the stealth integrated into a boss fight, whereas something like the bloater, it's, yeah, you can integrate stealth in order, in the setup, but once you actually fight, there's no real option to stealth anymore, um, so this boss fight, I think, really kind of brought those two things home to me. Yeah, I, I could see that, um, and, to be clear, like most things in this game, when I say it's horrible, it's still pretty good. It's just horrible when I compare it to the other things I really like about this game. I just didn't get the feel for it, honestly. And I never have while playing this game. I hate the fact that this is in a restaurant where there are broken plates all over the place. Like, these people have lived in this settlement for presumably a few years at least, if not all 20, right? It just doesn't mesh well to me. It feels like game mechanics integrated into a world that usually is free from that stuff, or usually that stuff is disguised really well. And I just I just don't really appreciate it. That being said, I think the final phase of the fight is brilliant, and I love it, and I really hope that Last of Us 2 integrates this with just normal enemies. But the fact that he starts using the same techniques you do to stalk enemies, to do it to you, is so good. And I really hope that for 2, they, they integrate that more. Like, he gets down low. You can tell he's listening. Like, you you listen. And he, like, sneaks around the cover just like you do. And I, I think that that's brilliant. Okay, so, yeah, I think what I was talking about and all of my praise, I think does actually just translate to that last phase that I think about it. Because when he's just walking around <laughs> slow, kind of goading you, I'm like, okay, all right, and it's, it's fine. But that final phase, yeah, you're right. That is the best part of that fight. Um, it is. And that's where a lot of my praise is placed is just because of the way he's, you know, also using the stealth and you're kind of trying to stealth out stealth each other. Um, I think that is that is really engaging as a stealth boss. Um, him just, you know, walking around and you have to walk around behind him is interesting, especially when you have to navigate around plates as well. But, you know, it's... I could see where that was clunky. And the first time I played this, I think I died during that phase in particular, like nine times. So, 
Yeah. Um, man, and this boss, it's just the way it ends is one of the best dramatic beats in this game. It's so... Again, it rivals the torture scene that we just saw and we just talked about how brutal it was in terms of how fucked up and how much emotional weight is carried through it, right? Because we we finally beat him. Ellie beats him. Uh, well, no, Ellie doesn't beat him, actually. This is cutscenes. He grabs her and gets on top of her and you have to grab a machete, right? And you get it before you can do anything and you start hitting him and she gets on top of him and she starts whacking him over and over again. And again this kind of scene has been done before in lots of different fiction right how many things have we seen where a dude gets on top of another guy and just starts punching his face in but something about the way this is animated and how it's shown and ellie's face makes it so much more brutal than any of those scenes i've ever seen like it feels like there's so much weight there and there's so much just it feels very it feels very primal in a way that those scenes, I think, usually want to tell you they're primal, but for me, usually fail. This one really succeeds. And we get the moment where Joel finally catches up to her, and she's doing this. And he grabs her, and she freaks out. He's like, no, it's me, no, it's me, and she's crying. And just the dialogue here, it's it's an intense scene. It's an action scene, and it's it makes me tear up just like the scene of Sarah. It's... It's brutal. Again, like a lot of things in this game, it's just so brutal. See, for that scene, I actually did take it as just pure anger. And, you know, because he was being super creepy to her. And um, I think the implication, I'll talk about that in a second, but it's mainly that, you know, she has come to just fucking despise this guy. And, you know, he's been sort of hurting her, especially in this boss fight. So then once she actually is able to deal the killing blow it's not like okay kill him done she's like so enraptured by her own rage that she is just beating him over and over after he's long dead so then when joel comes to comfort her it's not you know him like yeah this is the same anger that i'm feeling it's oh no i can do this because i'm a fucked up old man I don't want my daughter who I'm trying to protect to sort of experience the same kind of rage. So when he comforts her and sort of pulls her away from this, it's very, I don't know, it just was really um, quite powerful to him looking after her emotionally, you know, because she is fucking losing it at this moment. Um, But she sort of says something and gets cut off but i think the implication is that um she said he was gonna yeah he was gonna um, and then the screen cuts and i think that's why she's all you know jumpy to joel hugging her in that moment is i think the implication was that he was going to rape her so you know her turning the anger onto him it's very i don't know it feels very much like this is how she would be reacting and then having that sort of comfort and relief is a lot and the way she's sort of portraying that is um i mean it's really rough it's really powerful but man is it really rough just oof (laughs) that that's the whole scene is just a really big oof it's really rough and i love the way how it transitions right we transition to spring and it's just 
her we'd still from her perspective staring at this carving of a deer on the side of the freeway for like just a couple seconds too long right and then we cut to joel who's like come on ellie and she's she's not there right she's not there in her head um and we get the sense that like it it we get the sense that a time has passed and b again a lot of the subtext in this game we don't know if she's upset because of that event in particular or because this journey is coming to an end it probably all of it all at once and it just feels like the emotions caught up to this person in a very very real way and i really really love everything that happens here yeah because it is really somber when she's just not responding in that final stretch um and joel's you know being pretty jovial like almost the most jovial he's been all game you know he's talking about oh yeah this is great and after this then we'll go to tommy's settlement and i'll teach you how to play guitar and like oh we're gonna talk about you know comics or whatever but she is completely emotionally out of it like that is really upsetting and then it is um you know there's no combat between that and the giraffe scene yeah but real quick um before we talk about that because that's a that's a big thing um i think a lot of that stuff too and the way joel acts is because he never got to experience moments like that with sarah right sarah was probably a little bit younger than ellie is in this moment so he didn't experience that like you know and it's it's a little more intense than just teen angst but he didn't get that that emotion right so i think a lot of that is him not knowing what to do and just trying to be happy and trying to um get this person to feel better and not understanding that that's not what they need um but i also want to shout out there's a gameplay moment here in this area with no combat or anything that again only video games can can do this kind of thing but there's a moment where you need to boost ellie up and it, you've done this a million times before in this game and he walks up to the wall and he cups his hands together he's like okay come on ellie and it just sits there for again a couple seconds too long and you're like okay is the game broken and he's like no come on ellie and the camera cuts and you have to walk up to her where she's hitting and it's such a powerful moment with gameplay and with very subtle gameplay that it it i again it's masterful yeah well and that entire gameplay moment only works because of the story if they had done this and the story wasn't set up for it then it would just be frustrating you know it would be I want to do this thing. Where's Ellie? The AI is not working. We just need to move on with the story. Because it is set up and she's so, you know, emotional and not, you know, in her own head. And then when you get to that moment where Joel has to kind of snap her out of it to do this gameplay thing, it just really translates. And the way it built up to that is so good. Um, but then after that, you get this this big, big giraffe scene, which, ooh, is so powerful. What an unexpected, inspired thing to do. We've been talking about how there's a lot of this game that's not a surprise. There's a lot of this game. This game uses tropes, well-worn tropes, just uses them very well. This is something that I don't... Like, this moment is so... It feels so unique to me. And maybe I'm wrong about that, but... When you put Ellie up there where, where she's going to get the ladder for you. And she goes, oh, holy shit. And she starts running after something. And 
you know, you get the sense of like, oh, what, what, what's wrong? What's up? And you start running up there, and then you come upon this fucking giraffe just hanging out. It's this really beautiful moment. And it just, it works so well. And it feels like, it feels like a moment that, that the characters needed and that you as the player needed because up until that point, basically until the end of fall and until the end of the game, this is the only point like this you get. Everything else is just intense, 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 and it doesn't stop. And this is such a nice, quiet, reflective scene, right? Um, you get the draft that you pet, and then we get the the scene where the two of them go watch the herd of giraffes. And what I love about this scene is it ends and they're still leaning against the railing and you as the player can decide when to leave but you make that choice so you can give the characters more time to just look at this scene if you want which I inevitably always end up doing because it is just a nice moment for them yeah for sure man I you, uh, you mentioned that it does you it gives you the power to end that scene and I I mean, I've only played this game like three times, but every time I just have to sit there and take in the atmosphere and the absolutely beautiful music piece that plays during this scene. It is so gorgeous. I love this piano piece that plays here. Um, And I don't know, just watching sort of this herd of giraffes move past um, and thematically it really works because I don't know if you picked up on this, but giraffes are all over this game and the first instance that you see a giraffe in this game is actually in sarah's room so in a way it's kind of like this sort of memory of sarah that's always haunting joel so then when ellie fully connects with that um with that giraffe it's very it's very much like ellie fully connecting with the memory of sarah for joel you know it's very much him connecting Ellie and Joel or um, Ellie and Sarah together. He's going to be a better father to Ellie than he probably was to Sarah. Cause he was working all the time and he was trying to be a single dad for her. Um, so having that sort of connection and that meeting right before the final part of the game is so, so emotional and having that visual metaphor that pulls the whole game and the whole backstory in right at this one moment. It is such a phenomenal scene. And again, that music piece is so fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really mention it, but shout out to the soundtrack. Um, the composer's name is Gustavo something. I can't remember his last name, which is a shame because just absolutely kills it. It's one of the best soundtracks ever. Um, just in terms of how well it works with the game, how well the theming works, there's a lot of very simple electric guitar and acoustic, and it just, it's so beautiful. Um, and you're right, this this music piece here is one of the best, if not the best in the game. Uh, Gustavo Santolol- Santolala? Thank you. I believe he's done a bunch of movie um, soundtracks before, um, but his work on here is truly breathtaking. Yeah, it's very non-intrusive in a very powerful way. You know, it kind of takes a backseat to the gameplay and a lot of the game is just silent only like ambient noises but when the music does come in it's very you know peaceful or intense when it needs to be but still kind of somber all the way through it's fantastic subtle and it's yeah i mean like a lot of the game it's very subtle right it's not 
hitting you over the head with it, I think maybe this, this giraffe scene is the largest instance of it hitting you over the head. But that's okay. It fits so well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and I, I love this, like, what, 30-minute stretch? Longer if you want to hang out with the giraffes. Of gameplay where, yeah, there's no enemies. It's fine. They're just kind of walking together, and the first part of it's a little scary and a little sad because of Ellie and how she's feeling. And I mean, at this point, like, if you're like me, and I assume you and a lot of other players, like, Ellie is a, such a lovable character, you, you feel bad for her, right? And it's, again, a testament to the acting and the the writing, how, how, how much that sucks, right? That scene is really hard because of all of that. And then after that, having them kind of get back to how they were at the university level, right? Kind of bantering back and forth and talking. Such a nice little 30-minute break while you're gathering resources and stuff before you, like, descend into hell <laughs> through this last gameplay section. Uh, or yeah, second to man. last. Oof. Like, this descent into the underpass, under, into these tunnels, is so... It's just, it's just like the game is throwing at you everything it has, and it's rough, like, in a good way, right? You're, I, I like, used up everyone, all of my resources to get through it, and it feels challenging, and, again, there were three bloaters in one section, um, all, again, in that stealth context, and it just, it works so well. Yeah, this is not my favorite bit of gameplay from the whole game i think that honor does go to the dlc which we'll get into but in terms of the main game it is so you know it's video gamey in the way that oh here's the part where you use all of the skills you've learned and here's the final challenge and that's great but i think it just you know it feels so great to be able to use your stealth this is like the final stealth test in terms of gameplay yeah um, it doesn't have to be though. I remember watching my brother play this scene, and instead of stealthing through it or shooting, he just ran past everything. But it didn't feel like video game. I'm running past everything, so it becomes easy. It felt scary to watch, right? Because it's not easy to do that. It's actually pretty challenging. So it works in in more context than the, than just stealth, right? Which I think is what makes the gameplay of this game special. Is you can kind of use it however, you know, you can kind of look at the situation. Yeah, because it's also a bunch of enemies that could just insta-kill you, so running past them is really dangerous, because if you do get grabbed, then you have to start over. Well, let's talk about this a little bit first, and then I want to go back and talk about some sections before we get to the ending, but... Man, the end of the sequence where Joel pulls Ellie out of the water, and he's giving CPR, and we get the Firefly Soldier there it's so it's just it's so good because it is mirroring sarah right it is oh yeah 100%. the same scene and it's so beautiful and terrifying because we know what happened to sarah and we see what joel's doing through and he's doing very similar things he's freaking out in the same way god it's um i, I just wanted to call that out as as a really beautiful moment an intense moment but before we get to the last section, I do want to go back. Um, I want to talk about one of my favorite sequences in this game, which is after you leave Bill's town in the car. After you leave Bill's town, when you're in the car, to the gas station fight in Pittsburgh is so good. Because we get, 
in 10 minutes we get Ellie being charming and funny, you know, stealing um, Bill's porn, Meg, and making Joel uncomfortable. It's a very endearing scene. We get the tape with the music. Um, we get them pulling into Pittsburgh, which, by the way, Joel, um, you've been surviving for 20 years, dude. You, you know cities are bad, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know this bad. is where the highway led you, but, like, come on. Yeah. Cities are bad, and also... Uh, I first talked about this when we switched to Ellie. Ellie doesn't have to use shivs. She gets her own knife. It's kind of like a moment of like, hey, Joel, invest in a good knife, dude. <laughs> just get a good knife. Maybe just pick up one of those knife. axes and just keep it sharpened. Yeah. Um, it's fine. But um, that moment where you go through the city and you get ambushed and the music's playing and the guy's like, I'm hurt. And Ellie's like, are we going to stop and help him? And Joel says he ain't even hurt and we get this whole ambush scene which is intense action and and very well shot and done but after that when we crash into the gas station and the bandits pull joel and ellie out of the car we get one of the most brutal scenes when they smash joel's head through the window and eventually you kind of grapple for control and it's this like i don't know triangle of glass Oh yeah, and where they're pushing him onto head, the spike, and they're and you, you have to fight shove against his it. neck through this glass. It is one of those things where I have a pretty high tolerance for violence, and and a lot of this game I've seen before, like I said, five or six times. Every time I watch the scene, I have to wince and look away. It's so yeah, fucking brutal, man. and again, earned. It feels earned brutality. Like it makes sense in the scene. It's not. It's not something where I'm like, oh, that was too violent. It's it's fine. It's just, I I I think it. This whole that whole section is so well shot and well done, and going from a relative calm, funny scene to this very intense struggle for survival is so well done and executed. Yeah, uh, just to hit another highlight here in the winter scene in the sort of power plant that big combat encounter with David, um, and I don't know if this was just where I noticed it or if it is particularly unique to this, the infected make a new very very terrifying noise (laughs) and it was genuinely scary because i was playing this with my you know like surround sound speakers and it came up behind and it was this just piercing like scream that seemed very human i don't know if that plays anywhere else in the game but man it scared the shit out of me (laughs) there's a lot of um and you know Druckman, i've heard him talk about this on podcasts and stuff about the design of the infected and especially the early on stage infected um they do make human noises right they sound like they're groaning and um writhing a lot like like humans and that's because the way it's designed is that the cordyceps does not completely kill a person the second they are infected with it it just takes over their bodily functions so those early onset infected are still human right they they still have a brain and they're still thinking until the decay eventually kills that so those human like noises are because they're still human which is really disturbing um and again something zombie fiction has dealt with before but something about it here feels way more effective than in other places well and the way you have to interact with them as well you know and you see all their animations it's Oof, that that bit really scared me. Um, it also bit... makes sense, real quick, in terms of gameplay, because you can choke those people out, right? 
Because if you think about it, it's like, you can't choke a zombie out. They're already dead. But because these are still people inside, you can still choke them out. And the implication there, too, is if you leave that body on the floor, that cordyceps is, there's a chance it's still going to develop and still going to create spores, right? So, I don't know. It's just, ugh. <laughs> Awful. Um, yeah, the, um, I'm looking at my notes. It seems to be in summer. Um, I think this would be before you meet up with Bill, I think before that section, um, it was just a really specific part that really pointed out the game design to me. And it's where they need to funnel you into a, you know, sort of scripted sequence, but they want you to go this way. Um, and there's a ladder and the ladder is kind of off to the side of the area. So what the developers have done is they've put a store in front of you. Cool immediately lead the players there because they know there's going to be resources there and then when you turn around the ladder is still pretty off to the side and you're like the player's probably not going to see that but what they've done is they've put the light source there where it shines this massive shadow on the wall so you look over there and you see this massive ladder shadow that's very clear and you're like okay that's somewhere i can go and it directly leads your eye there and that caught me as oh man, like the developers of this game know what they're doing. This is incredibly smart game design because it's really subtle and it's really integrated and grounded in the world, but it's very um, good at leading the player through the level in terms of game design. Um, I just wanted to shout out that moment because that really just brought home how, how well this game was developed and how the developers know what they're doing when making a video game. Yeah, absolutely. And I will shout out 90% of the combat arenas look very good and they they feel very natural. I do want to talk about I didn't bring this up in my criticisms. I wasn't going to mention it, but since you mentioned that, I do think for whatever reason, I don't know why, but the combat arenas in Boston suck and I don't know why they're set up the way they are. And I don't mean suck in terms of gameplay. I mean in terms of visuals and visual identity. You will There's walk too into many an area in Boston, and there's just waist-high crates everywhere, and you're like, well, this is a combat arena. And I don't know why, but the rest of the game doesn't have that problem. Like, throughout the entirety of the rest of the game, I don't feel like, like, just looking at an environment, at least at first glance, I could be like, oh, that's a combat arena. Of course, if you studied it, you'd be like, okay, that's set up for cover, whatever. But, like, the Boston area, it just feels like you didn't have any ideas to maybe make this look a little more natural. Um, <laughs> and it's the, the first area the you're game... in the game that really stuck me as oh this is going to be a combat arena was the dam um, area because you walk through talking with tommy you walk through the entire area and there's just these fucking crates everywhere and you're like oh well this is definitely cover i'm gonna have to fight my way out of here um so i definitely see what you mean where sometimes it works but then sometimes like that bookstore area where there's just like bookshelves laying down and that acts as cover and there's some bookcases that are straight up so you can sneak around those and all of that really feels natural whereas just having a bunch of crates lying around feels very unnatural yeah totally and i feel like again 90 percent of them are totally fine and look great i just think it puts its worst foot forward in that first area like i have no idea why um god we have so much to talk about i do want to quickly mention the the sewer level followed by the suburbs because it's incredible <laughs> um this is another area with sam and henry who we haven't really talked about but they're two characters you meet in pittsburgh and 
they're not in a lot of the game, but you you get their the sense of the characters and they're really well developed, um, and they end tragically, unfortunately. But this this sewer section is so good, and I love its visual identity because you get there and you need to cut through it. And also, this is the only place in the game, except for the DLC, where the collectibles are all continuous, and they all have a through line, where you are reading about this character Ish, and sort of their story, and about how they got here on this boat, and they're trying to make a life living in these sewers, and trying to make a community. And that really shows through with the design of the sewers, because they're 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 this very harsh, you, you know, like what you would expect them to look like, like metal walkways, and... um just like this kind of harsh industrial design but because these are people trying to make a life here there's a bunch of human like elements everywhere right there's beds there's at one point my, my favorite visual um piece from this section is the classroom yes which has sure. this you know like like a kindergarten classroom like this colorful rug and these chalkboards and whiteboards everywhere and it I just, I really like that design. It really, like, it clashes, right? But it clashes in a realistic way where you're like, yeah, this doesn't look like it belongs here, but they were trying something different. They were trying to survive in an area they thought might be safer. Yeah, and you see, like, the whole progression and the way the level design, you know, you start on the shore with the boat and then you see kind of how they got in the sewers and you see the whole progression of how they kind of set up in terms of level design. Um, Just really, really smart there. Yeah, absolutely. There's also the most depressing room of all time in that section where you, um, it's side room where, and it's after the events of whatever, you know, there aren't people here anymore. Shit went wrong. Um, but you find corpses and you get the, I, the picture that the adult in this room, um, had to kill a bunch of kids because, this place had fallen and there's infected all over it and better to do that than let the infected have them and it is one of those environmental storytelling moments that is so fucked up and so dark and so effective in this game and it it's another moment that chokes me up and gets me and i just really wanted to call that out yeah well and that's also a thing where you can do that with environmental storytelling but you can't tell it in direct storytelling just because of like sort of age ratings and like that would be pretty fucked up to just have that as a story point um but you know it works in this in the actual setting so they can get away I mean, with it I in think environmental they storytelling totally could have right we, we i mean saw yeah this game is dark enough and, but i think it's stronger that they don't we don't need to see a flashback of that it's almost worse walking in and seeing these decayed bodies and these ugh, it's that's awful um and the worst part about it is, is you're like, I get it. The adult who made this decision, I get where you're coming from. And I, you know, this isn't a case where I think you're a villain. I actually think you're in the right. And that's so dark. And it makes you ponder that, which is so fucked up. And shout out to them for that. Because, wow. Um, another highlight in terms of great level design here is the, the sniper segment. You want to talk yep, about the sniper segment? We're, we're getting there. Um, it is an amazing action sequence um but right before that we got out of the sewers and we have a segment of reprieve from a really intense section where um sam henry joel and ellie can explore a couple houses and you get some really nice dialogue between them uh there's a great interaction with ellie 
and Joel about ice cream trucks, which I really appreciated. Yeah, I love that. Some stuff about barbecue. You know, you know, it really gets the sent across that, like, there's a lot of things from the quote-unquote old world, right, that they miss, that they just can't have anymore. And also, Ellie, Ellie and Sam are people that were kind of born into this chaotic world, so learning about this kind of stuff is... Like, they know of it. They know, obviously, because it's sort of history, but Ellie, who's younger than 20, and the outbreak has been going for 20 years, like, she was definitely born after it started and learning about that is is kind of cool i, I kind of like those touches but after that we get this segment of gameplay where it's uh is it a cul-de-sac or it's just a street that leads down like you're looking down the street and there's just a big house at the end of it right and they get down there and then a sniper's in the window and it shoots at you and it's very intense again like the rest of the game but joel is like i'm gonna go ahead circle around and get him uh, well, you guys stay here and keep me covered. <clears throat> you know, keep keep distracting him so I can get around. And it's just so intense section of gameplay. And again, speaks to how well designed these areas are. Because you can play this twice and go two different directions and have a different experience each time. But you can go through the houses at the to the right of you. Or you can go through the sort of construction bombed out houses to the left. And when you enter a home, you get attacked by bandits. And it, you know, again, with the environmental storytelling, applying that these people live here and you just jumped into their home uh, or the home that they've commandeered, at least. <laughs> and now they're defending your, their home. And it just has this sense of, like, movement and momentum that uh, a lot of the game doesn't have, right? It's this action you have to constantly be pressing forward. You're trying to stay out of the window so the sniper doesn't see you while running away from these other bandits and trying to get up to the house then that intensity continues when you get into the house with the sniper because you don't know where he is and you're searching and you're searching and um, it, it's not resolved through gameplay, which is fine. It's a cutscene. You walk through the door with the sniper and he tries to attack you and you kill him. And then we get a, um, a sniper section where you have to protect the others while they're trying to make it to the house. Um, which And all of this is just so good and, and really makes the case for this game being good as an action game as well as, as a stealth game. Because this is a section where you pretty much have to have to use action. You can't. I love the sequence and I love, you know, once you get in the house and you have to shoot the enemies that are coming towards the, you know, your main crew. And then you get the, um, anytime the game mixes the human enemies and the infected and how that sort of dichotomy of you have sort of two separate opponents, but the opponents are fighting each other as well. Anytime the game does that, I love the one thing that breaks this entire segment for me is that fact that yeah, if you go in a house is, is it the is it the humvee because <laughs> that's what breaks it for me no that that is fine i okay. yeah i don't have an issue with that um the thing that breaks it for me is when you go in a house then you get attacked by bandits the fact that they don't they aren't just in there they only spawn if you enter a threshold of the house that really breaks it for me and being able to see that like it was kind of like a weird not glitch but like oversight where i would go in the house because there's resources and i enter the house and i search around and then there's a guy behind me so i'm like so i died to him and i'm like okay so this time i'm gonna plan for him to come down the stairs and i'm gonna you know try and deal with it um 
and I'm going to, or I'm going to sit outside and kind of like see if I can see him from the outside, match his patterns. He's not there. You can't see him in the listen mode because he hasn't spawned yet. So it's like, what? (laughs) So I was trying to, you know, map around this, but it wasn't, you know, the game didn't load him in until you actually enter the house. You can't strategize as to where he is or his movement pattern. That just really, like, I don't know, it kind of just tripped me up like oh well i guess this is a ps3 game they don't want to load enemies that they don't have to because that's a lot of ai on screen but uh, it was weird yeah i i guess i i didn't experience it but that makes sense i do wonder if that is a technical issue and they because that is a very intense scene with a lot of things going on maybe yeah i understand why they did it it's just like i I can't i don't know it just kind of messed me up that they only spawn it like, if they spawned it when you were close to the house, I think that'd be fine, but it's only once you actually enter the house that the person can ambush you. I don't know, it just felt super weird. Um, but overall, I mean, this sequence is super great. I loved it the first time I played it. It's just super engaging. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to say, like, I like it from an action perspective, but from a story perspective, right, in a game that I think is 99% tied up, like, amazing... The Humphy showing up is weird to me. Because, why? <laughs> like, I get that these bandits in the city are doing really well, but these people have escaped. Why would you waste all those resources just to come after them some more? It just seems a little unlogical to me. I don't know, maybe again that's me just reading too far into it, but I'm like, why would you waste all that gas to drive up to the suburbs and all those bullets? And Yeah, they know. do waste a lot of bullets. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like... And, like, I kind of get it until they've left the city because at that point you, you maybe you're enraged or maybe you just, it's a sunk, a sunk cost fallacy kind of thing and you're just, like, trying to get them. But after they've escaped, you're going to really track them down all the way to the suburbs. Which presumably, you know, I, I think visually we get that it's a, a pretty, you know, pretty far away. Why? Like, I don't know. It's just the only thing. It's just a narrative thing that kind of breaks it a little bit for me. Um, I do love, though, when the guy starts throwing Molotovs out the top of it, and you shoot him, and he just drops it on top of himself. It's just, visually, it's it's cool action set piece. Yeah, I mean, it does break if you shoot him, like, kind of late in the animation, and then the bottle snaps back to right over top of him where he drops it. I'm like, yeah, all right, it's, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's okay. This is the end when we get a nice scene with Joel and Henry and Ellie. They're talking about motorcycles. It's very endearing. And we get yeah, the scene with Ellie Joel and being a total Sam. dad. Yeah. And the scene with Ellie and Sam is... It's depressing in context. And knowing what happens afterwards, it's even more depressing. Because you get that Sam is very scared. And... I don't know. It, it's a scene that I some people are frustrated with. Because, like, why wouldn't he say anything? But I always took it as... I don't know. He's a kid who's scared to death. And he, like he may have convinced himself it isn't a bite or just fell and scraped it or whatever. I think it's, it's again, a really well acted scene that. Well, in some of the character moments with Henry show that Henry is way overprotective of Sam. So Sam probably feels that he doesn't want his brother to worry about him. So he just, you know, kind of hides it, which I, you know, it's, it's rough, but I completely understand that. Um, but yeah, that scene does not end well. It ends well no. from a story perspective. It is not fun. 
No, not at all. Just like the the intensity and the it's it's really dark. Um anyway, is there anything else you want to discuss before we discuss the ending of the game and then the DLC? We we covered a lot. Um I have one one more nitpick that really is kind of a lot bigger than it than it I'm going to make it seem like the subtitles in this game suck. They they do a decent job, but the fact that there's no character names ever, um, the fact that a lot of dialogue, like, lines, not cutscene lines, but just, like, in-gameplay lines aren't subtitled at all, um, the fact that it's not on by default, you have to search it out, and, like, all of that, I think this game just really needs subtitles, because if you walk away from a story sequence, you can barely hear it, so it's like, it kind of needs subtitles, but the subtitles kind of falter. I don't know. I'm a person that always turns subtitles on on anything, so seeing them just kind of drop the ball on it was was frustrating for me. No, that's totally worth noting. I didn't play with them on, but yeah, I'm glad you, you said that, because yeah, that's definitely a thing that should be considered. to talk about except that well okay there's a lot to talk about philosophically but the last section of gameplay with the fireflies and everything that happens actually let me ask you a question is joel the villain of this game um no i think this game only has one villain and that's david the rest are completely troubled and complicated characters that doesn't fit a black and white scenario and you know, that's what makes the story engaging. It's just, you know, you can't say, oh, well, this is the villain. It's a, you know, he does this, this final thing, which, you know, you know, this is, this is past the spoiler section. You know what happens. Um, you know, it's really rough, but it's not something that's unsubstantiated. You know, you get all of those scenes leading up to this where he's super brutal in protecting Ellie. And then, when he finds out that she's going to die because of what she wants to do, he loses it. Um, but man, holy shit, this, yeah, I want to get your thoughts on this. Well, let, let me, let's, let's expand on this. And I'm going to ask you again. Remember he kills a doctor, at least one, if not multiple, but you can kill in that room. Um, some of the, probably some of the only ones left alive in the world. He destroys the chance of them ever finding a cure. He kills the leader of the Fireflies, Marlene, who, you know... And then, at the end, and I think probably the most damning of things, he straight up lies to Ellie. Yeah, no, all of that sucks. <laughs> like, in no way am I trying to say that any of this was justified or good. Like, this definitely... He sort of turns completely... You know, for the most of it, it's, like, relatable dad stuff, and then he's, um, you know, when he's, like, super brutal, you're like, oh my god, but I kind of understand. This, it's like, okay, Joel, what the fuck? <laughs> so, all of this is is bad. It's just, I don't know if you could completely qualify it as villainous. 
Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I want to, you're just talking, but I'm going to uh, push back on the word. You said it, it's, um, you're not, you're not saying it's justified. I would say it is absolutely justified given his character and what we know about him. I think it all makes sense from the story perspective. I don't think that there's anything that I would be like, Oh, that doesn't seem right from a writing story perspective. I think it all locks into place fairly well. And what it's what makes this ending in my opinion, super strong. Yeah, no, when I say it's not justified, I mean it's not morally justifiable for Joel to do this. Story-wise, I completely understand his character and why he would, you know, mentally take those leaps to, like, do this. Um, so, in the story, it's substantiated. It's just morally, I don't think it's justify- <laughs> justifiable. Yeah, and the interesting thing, particularly with um, the scene in the hospital, I... Every time I play it, I get a little something different out of it. Um, the first time I played it, I'll never forget. Because Ellie is such a good character, like, when we get to this point and they're like, she's going into surgery, this will kill her. This will kill her. Um, not might, it will. And we get there. I was completely with Joel. And that gameplay sequence, um, this is the first time you get an automatic weapon, which I think is appropriate because it just feels like you're just angrily spraying bullets all over the place, right? And, like, it... I think it is so good. And it's specifically because the first time playing this game, busting into that surgery, into that, um... into the room with the surgeon, just without thinking, without even looking to assess the situation, blowing away that surgeon immediately. Which is not something that I would have done in any other moment in this game, or any other, for that matter. And... Again, through gameplay, I think that really exemplified like how good this narrative is and how well it's done. And you know, playing it this time and other times, I've been thinking about you know thinking about it. It it feels like Joel can be in the wrong, right? He's way too violent here. He's not thinking things through. Yes, he's he's saving Ellie, who he deeply cares about, but also he's not considering the implications of that. And what he's done, um, I don't know. I think it's brilliant. I think it's an amazing section of gameplay. Yeah, well, and he's also not considering her feelings because this is what she wants to do. And she knows the risks, presumably. But, you know, if it means curing the entire world, like, she's willing to do that. But Joel sort of takes that control away from her in order for his own... To be fair. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, we get the sense that because she was passed out after the the incident in the tunnels, um, we get the sense that she didn't gain consciousness through all of that. At least that's what I took away from it. And also, I will say it has been argued, and the first time I played this game, I actually thought this as well that it seems a little risky. Do you really think this is going to give you the cure? Like, you're hundred percent sure on this? And I think that that's fair, right? It's just them throwing bricks at a wall, but then it could also be argued the humanity is in such a bad place with this game, you may as well try something. Sorry, you were making a good point. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I was really I was really thinking about for their plan in this one is that they and they explained this that the reason that the surgery is going to kill Ellie is because the cordyceps grow around the brain, so they have to operate to get those out. And then that's going to, you know, mess up her brain so she won't live through it. I get that. But 
they're looking for the mutation in the actual fungus. Why can't they just take the fungus, like, out of her arm? <laughs> I guess that just kind of didn't click with me. On this playthrough, at least. Um, yeah, like, it just seemed weird that they're like, oh, we have to get all of it, and we have to get the brain stuff instead of just, you know, any of it to find the genetic mutation. Um, and then, as you said, like, it's not 100% that this will lead to a cure, so it's kind of a big risk, but definitely one that people are willing to take. Also, that scene with Marlene, similar to the to the scenes, the torture scene and the um, Ellie David scene, like, very brutal, very... It's very almost methodical in a way, right? Where he shoots her in the stomach to stop her from ever having a chance to stop them, and then puts Ellie in the car, and then... Like, I, I think he probably has a second, thinks about it, and then shoots her in in the head, right? Because, as he says, you'll just come after her. It's kind of like this moment of, fuck it, I just need to clear house. Because if any of you are left alive, you're, you know, this whole thing could fall apart. Yeah, and I think at that point, because it comes across as he's thinking rationally through it, um, when he makes that yeah, decision. No, this is not just pure ang anger, it's very um cold-blooded murder right yeah it's very you know sort of intentional but i think he's also sort of thinking of thinking up the lie that he's gonna tell ellie after she wakes up so having anything that could come later to break that illusion i think he's sort of tying up loose ends there yeah it's it's rough it's very brutal very very rough i mean as rough and as brutal as it is and as much as i I do think it is completely fair to view Jill as a selfish villain. I don't think that, that is incorrect if you have that opinion. Um, I agree with you. I don't think he's a villain in capital letters, but I do think he's selfish. I mean, that shines through here, right? Um, with a lie and wanting to keep things okay. But also, you can get it, right? You can see yourself in that position, and you can see yourself making all of those same decisions, even the lie, right? I think that it makes sense. It's logical from a I want to protect this person who I care about perspective. Which is a fair perspective. <laughs> yeah, it's an ending that's deliberately written to make you question, you know, the moral ambiguity of it and the the character motivations and it's meant to put all those questions into your head so that when that final line hits of Joel saying, I swear you're left at the end of the game just like okay i mean it's it leaves you thinking and i think that's really great because the first time i played this game i had to just sit there i was like okay <laughs> we just got to process some stuff um and even this one i mean i was taking notes through the whole game and the only note i could write here is final line is really sad and then i had to just sit there um which is so great because the writing just really sells this character and how you want to sort of wrap your mind around how his brain is working and how Ellie's feeling about it and then how the world is going to be impacted by it and all of that. It's um, This ending is really, you know, just kind of up in the air. Nothing's nice and tidy. It's just, um, you know, it leaves you thinking and I, I do like that. It's one of my favorite endings to anything ever. I genuinely love it. 
It does not feel clean cut. It does not feel like, oh, the good guys won or the good guys lost. It just feels, it feels honestly kind of real. Yeah, well, and it feels, um, it doesn't feel satisfying, and that's no, kind of the point. <laughs> yep, it's a not kind of subversion the of the, the expectation, right? It's yeah. like earlier when I said this game doesn't really have twists. Um, I didn't want to talk about the ending, but this is the twist, right? We get here, and it's the most unsatisfying ending you could possibly have, but that's okay. So real quick, you want to talk about the DLC? Because this episode is Absolutely. running really long, but yeah. um, we could probably bust through this pretty quick. In addition to The Last of Us being one of the best video games of all time, it has some of the best DLC, in my opinion. Left Behind is absolutely essential and should be played. Yeah, well, this is also, you know, included in the PS4 version, and I think, like, a lot of the versions on PS3, so it is, it is very good. Yes, and it's, it's, you know, I love the structure of, it. it's very much like the winter chapter, right, where we're flip-flopping perspectives, except this time it's, we're, um, transporting time periods, right? We're in Boston before any all of this happened, and then we're going to modern day. It's um, her taking care of Joel after he's been um, wounded by the rebar, and I just love it. I love the symmetry here. The we're in the apocalyptic mall versus the um, other apocalyptic mall, but it's kind of nicer, <laughs> I guess. One that's sort of not maintained, but still pretty fresh, and then the other one that's it's completely snowed over. And I, I just, I really like the imagery there. I, I, there's not a lot of story here, right? It's very, it's just kind of filling in Ellie and just so this, uh, this tragic event that happened to her, right? With her friend Riley and how she got bit. But that's kind of it. Um, the stuff, the modern day stuff is like, the story there is she found something to dress Joel's wound with. But it's, you know, it's fairly mundane as the plot goes. You don't really need it, but... Man, just the character interactions with Ellie and Riley are worth it alone. They oh, they're so great. And it's super so tragic when they're trying to have fun in the mall with the water guns and the photo booth and all that. It's like, man, things are so fucked up when they're, you know, trying to have fun with this busted ass mall. And I mean, they are. They're having a lot of fun, but they're still working through all their other stuff. And I mean, you see how, how the two characters care for each stuff, other. Though, right? Oh, it's super relatable. Yeah, it's so, like, everybody's done that with their dumb friends. Just fucking around, and it's so good. Yeah, just messing around, reading puns out of a book. and Shout out to the photo booth. Shout out to the arcade machine. Shout out to the water guns. Like, all that stuff. Shout out to the to the Halloween store. <laughs> yeah, so for great. sure. Um, the throwing bricks through the cars. Like, repurposing those gameplay mechanics for this stuff is so cool and creative and cool and i i love it i loved it all the way through yeah because it's all this gameplay stuff that's built on you know survival being used in a situation that's not about survival it's just about kind of wanting to have fun and all that so you know throwing bricks you're still doing the throwing mechanic to aim and all that and then the water guns you're still using the shooting mechanics only it's no real stakes um 
yeah, it's just super clever gameplay-wise. Story is fantastic. I mean, it's like one line in the main game right at the end that's like, you know, here's kind of the whole thing. But then really to go into well it... really well-delivered line, right? Like, that line is intense, but seeing it realized this way was so, so good. And, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I leave it to Naughty Dog to take something that is one line of backstory that we don't really need to care about expand it to three hours and have us give so much of a shit like goddamn oh yeah fantastic writing there um and i love ellie and riley together it's really great and you get the um sort of like thrown aside queer representation between the two of them but i mean it's not it's not to be understated and it's not played off it's like you know, just here it is, and that's actually really good representation, so. It feels genuine. Um, I don't know, I, I'm, you know, I'm barely qualified to speak about that, but I, I from my stupid idiot perspective, um, I, I truly love it, and it feels like they love each other, and they feel like real characters who really, really like each other. It doesn't feel, like, forced or anything like that. Um, yeah, well, and they're teens, and they're awkward about it, and it's like, that all seems super super realistic i really liked how they handled that and i mean it's i don't know it's it's really good it's you know and we didn't really talk about bill if you want to mention that real quickly um who's another gay character who kind of unfortunately runs into the trope of having um you know what we what we presume is his boyfriend having hung himself um which is a really dark dark scene like a lot of that game but i i think i really appreciate this sort of representation over that uh again barely qualified <laughs> well yeah and that original you know in the main game with bill it's sort of it's completely optional first of all you don't have to you're incentivized to walk around the house and find supplies but you don't have to actually like interact with the corpse or the suicide note or any of that um but it's also not played up as any sort of like gay stereotypes or other than you know the death and all that it, you can argue on that all the time but like um the the way that it's sort of natural and neither of the main protagonists sort of you know make fun of him for it or play i know it's a low bar but like you know it's fairly natural and they had a bad breakup just like any other relationship would so it just ends really bad <laughs> again sorry to bring us back to the main game but i love joel's acting in that scene too where you get the sense that you know don't forget this the world basically stopped in 2013 in this universe and joel's a texan so we we don't get the sense that he was the most progressive of guys right and i just love the acting here where he's trying to work through that in his head and it it all shows in his face and shout out to the animation like again it really sells this character as a real person and not just a stereotype or a you know caricature of somebody um we're mentioning the animation again i do want to give a huge shout out to the way that they make joel look if you just mash triangle on a bunch of uh objects it looks like he just is scurrying around like a little rat it's fantastic <laughs> like, a rat, like a little rat man <laughs> oh it's yeah. so fantastic he just scuttles around and just eats all the stuff real quick it's i, I do I, that every time and you can just hold triangle to collect everything in the area i refuse <laughs> he just reaches out and grabs everything with his hands real fast it's very very entertaining every time it happens it's very funny yeah left behind i do want to say 
because we of course get the moment where Riley and Ellie get bitten. Um, I want to commend Naughty Dog for not showing us Riley turning because I feel like that would have been a really cheap, easy thing to do, and they don't. And I think that that is, again, a testament to their editing and their writing and their sense of what makes a good narrative. I don't know, at least in my opinion, I think it would have been a really dumb thing to do to show that. Um, and we, we, we know what happens, so we don't need to see it, right? Yeah, for sure. And also, you know, on a technical level, doing that sort of model transition type deal would probably be kind of taxing. I mean, I suppose. I, I don't think they're incapable of it, though. Um, no, I mean, if they wanted the story to, f- like, fit that in there, they would have made it work, but... You know, it just and they did it with Sam, so it's not like it's that was not... more of a model swap. If they wanted to show like her turning, it would have been a lot. Like I yeah. don't know. It... I, I, what I mean by that is not necessarily like the moment she turns, but just like I didn't want to see. I didn't want to have that cut to Ellie having to shoot her or run away or anything like that. I think that it's such a stronger ending, just leaving it where it is. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. Letting them have that emotional moment together. Also, shout out to the gameplay in the modern sections where this is really the only time in the game where they mix in human and infected enemies in normal gameplay scenarios. Uh, we talked about yeah, it during the sniping section, but... I love this. This is why the the DLC is like my best, my favorite combat encounter is because you get that, um, that interaction between luring the zombies over to the survivors and then having the survivors take out some of the zombies before they die and all of that i just love that interaction yep 100 percent. and i really hope that they do more of that for the sequel um speaking of which hey there's a sequel to this game coming out and you can hear all about it on the next episode of this podcast yeah that'll be the next game we're covering um it's coming out soon as of recording um yeah, that, that episode won't go up for a while, um, or this one, it'll be a little bit late, but hopefully that'll give everybody time to play it. Yep, very excited. Um, we're going to be one of the last big PS4 releases, I think. But For sure. Um, what did I want to talk about? Oh, yeah, normally we talk about Legacy. Um, to be honest with everybody, I stopped watching material on Last of Us 2 after like the 2018 gameplay that they did, so... I don't know, and I don't really want to speculate on it because I'm just excited and just want to play it. <laughs> I don't know about I you. I think I've only seen the release trailer or the like reveal yeah. trailer. I think that's all I've seen. That's yeah. This is one of those games that I was gonna play no matter what, so I didn't want to watch anything and get spoiled in any way. Because um, like I said, Last of Us is one of my favorite games of all time, so I'm just excited to see what they've done. Nervous because I think this ending is so good, and I don't want them to ruin it. Um, though as of recording this review scores came out last night and they are tens so (laughs) probably shouldn't be nervous it's probably fine yeah good uh i got strong hopes for this one yeah 100 percent um i guess they announced um just to wrap this up a little bit they did announce a tv show by hbo um cool i guess you know we'll see on that video game adaptations historically haven't been great but also hbo's adaptations in general, usually pretty good. So, I don't know. Yeah, the, his, his Dark here. Materials has been crushing it. Um, you know, video game TV show adaptations have been crushing it lately with Castlevania and Witcher. So, I don't know. Could be good. 
That's true. And Neil Druckmann is writing this, so cool. Okay, they're in good hands. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, I've been Dustin, and by the way, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Dustin H. Dragon, and you can follow Connor at... Oh, man, I don't even remember what my Twitter is anymore. Uh, while you're looking at that, you can follow Safe Station Radio at Safe Station Pod. Uh, you can follow me at Brickmaster03. Brickmaster I might make a new I couldn't URL. remember if that was your um, Twitter name or your like what your name is on Twitter. But yeah, uh, we'll see you next time for Last of Us 2. Take care.